Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, August 4th, 2023. Uh, earlier this week, we had the trade deadline, so we've seen a lot of debuts for players. We also saw Framber Valdez no-hitter uh, on trade deadline day, which, of course, happened after me and Colin were done recording. Um, but that was a fantastic one that we'll get into. But we've got an action-packed day for you all. Okay, we're probably going to be looking at two and a half hours. I'll just say it now because I'm, I'm real excited. Luke, are you excited for today? I'm pumped, bro. All right. Well, as always, we started off with the MLB recap. Then we'll talk about what's going on this weekend in the MLB. And then our AFC North preview. And I know there's going to be some emotions there, at least on Luke's <laughs> side. And then... We'll bring those emotions right back because we follow it up with our Premier League season preview, and then we'll hit some transfer news and stake your claim to round it out. People, buckle in. This is going to be one hell of an episode. Opinions, hate, love, emotion, chemistry? I don't know. Always chemistry. (laughs) We'll have to see. But nonetheless, Luke, Let's get into the MLB recap, and I'm going to start it off. we got a special edition of Winners and Losers, and um, you'll find out why at the end. I'll I'll tell you that. (laughs) But let's start off with Framber Valdez's no-hitter. Nine innings pitched, no hits, one walk, seven strikeouts in 93 pitches. What a game. What a game. (laughs) Yeah, it's just fantastic. And the Astros just seem to be the spot for no-hitters. It's the 16th no-hitter in Astros history, the first no-hitter of its kind since they threw a combined no-hitter in the 2022 World Series, and the first individual no-hitter for an Astro since Verlander in 2019. It's the 321st no-hitter in the MLB regular season, the first no-hitter of any kind since the Detroit Tigers threw a no-hitter against the Blue Jays on July 8th and the first individual no-hitter since Domingo Armand's perfect game on June 28th. And interestingly enough, this one's also a milestone for the catcher. This is Martin Maldonado's third no-hitter that he has caught. He's caught a combined no-hitter, he caught Verlander's no-hitter, and now he has caught Framber Valdez's no-hitter, and only Jason Veritek and Carlos Ruiz have caught more no-hitters than Martin Maldonado. Ow, how many of Veritek's from Pedro Martinez? Uh, Probably all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. But, yeah, this no-hitter was, like, almost flawless. He he almost had the perfect game. Yeah, that would have been crazy if it happened, like, back-to-back like that. Yeah, and I uh, I believe believe he only faced 27 hitters. I think the player that he walked ended up grounding into a double play. Yep, that's, uh, I think that's what happened as well. But... Yeah, absolute masterclass there from Framber Valdez. And honestly, that no-hitter got 100% overshadowed by the trade deadline. It 100% did. And it's a shame because uh, Framber Valdez has been honestly good the entire year. Like, this uh, this no-hitter really wasn't, like, dare I say, unfeasible for a guy like him. He's been solid this season. Yeah, like, I, it was literally, it's Tuesday night. I'm, you know, wrapping up editing on the podcast and, you know, getting things prepared to go up on all the platforms. And I get a notification and it's like Framber Valdez takes no hitter uh, into the ninth inning. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to turn this on and didn't realize that the notification had come in like 10 minutes ago. And I click on it and it's just like I click on the ESPN app and it just says like bottom of the ninth three outs. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, I guess he got it. And he sure did. So uh, congrats to Framber Valdez. Yeah, 100%. But it does suck for one. One team is the loser here, and it's the Guardians. <laughs> so this, obviously, they got no hit. This is the fifth time since the start of 2021 that they have been no hit. It's brutal. And to make things worse, they haven't thrown a no-hitter themselves since May 15th of 1981, the longest oh, wow. drought in the league. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not a good time to be uh, a bat for the Guardians. Not a no, lot of action. Not at all. Or, or pitching, really. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but let's get to my next winner, uh, a pitcher. For sure, Quadzilla himself, Spencer Strider, broke his own record for the fastest to 200 strikeouts in a season by striking out Shohei Otani for his 200th, and it only took him 123.1 innings, breaking his previous record that he set last year of 130 innings. He beat it by 6.2 innings. It's just, it's a freak. Yeah. He is absolutely insane. And though, like, his results haven't been stellar, you can't deny that he just strikes everyone out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he even, um, like, on July 20th, I'm looking at it here, he did give up four runs against the Diamondbacks, but he pitched six innings and had 13 strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, he's insane. Dude, dude's sick. <laughs> yeah, well, let's get into this loser because uh, I have a feeling you're definitely going to agree with this guy being a loser. Um, here's a little hint. He'll cost you $162 million. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Carlos Rodon, of course, yes. who we're speaking of. Through his first five New York Yankees stars, he is 1-4 with a 6.29 ERA, a 6.93 FIP, in 24.1 innings pitched. Yes, you heard that right. Five starts, 24.1 innings pitched. He's given up 5.92 walks per nine and a 7.4 Ks per nine. And good job by the Yankees. You got him locked up until 2028. <laughs> uh, it, it's just, it's goofy at this point, man. Um, why is Clark Schmidt like the second best pitcher on this team? I couldn't tell <laughs> you because he wouldn't be on a lot of other teams. Yeah, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> It's Garrett Cole and a bunch of fucking, I mean, just, it's a joke. I mean, Severino's not that good. He should have been traded. Um, Colin and I were talking about that in person uh, not too long ago. Uh, it, it's just, it's brutal, man. Brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. But when it comes to your co-host, Luke, it's not brutal over here. Not in the A, baby. The Braves oh, are fucking killing it. And um, they're averaging 1.05 runs in the first inning this season. That's um, that's a good way to win baseball game. Yeah, since 1900, only two teams have recorded a higher average in the first inning of, in a season, that being the 1901 Pirates with a 1.1, which is crazy, and the 1950 Red Sox with a 1.07. Dang. Yeah, and now... Uh, you know, a big part of that is that the Braves just are hitting a ton of home runs. I believe they're uh around somewhere around like two oh three 
now for the season across the whole team. And our everyday lineup now has at least 10 home runs or more. Each person, five of them having 20 or more. Yeah, uh, Matt Olson looks like he could probably, you know, beat Judge's uh, home run record last year. <laughs> yeah, which, okay, I got to bring this up because me and Colin talked about this because Colin was like, could Olsen, like beat Judge's record? First of all, Judge's record was for the AL. And second of all, there's no way he's beating the NL record. Yeah, because uh, wasn't that guy uh, Barry Bonds in the NL? Yeah, this is big, bald guy. He maybe hit <laughs> 73 in one season. <laughs> oh, no. Like, I don't even think top three is attainable. Honestly, like, I don't even think he'll beat Stanton's 59 from his MVP season in 2017. I think mm-hmm. I think Olsen's looking in the mid-50s at best. Yeah, like kind of 55-ish. Yeah, like maybe he'll beat out like Pete Alonso's rookie year. 53 but yeah I don't I don't think he gets past like Ryan Howard 58 area I don't think he's he gonna be up there though um oh yeah what's what's the Braves record Braves record I think it's Andrew Jones 51 oh well he'll definitely get that that'd be kind of cool yeah to beat that record yeah, he's already smashing like I know like Andres Galarraga had a season where he got off to like this crazy hot home run start, and then just, like, kind of dwindled off at the end. Yeah, I think he hit, like, 45 or something, but he started off super hot. Wow. And I got a feeling he'll pass that. I know Chipper's kind of sprinkled around, like, the top 50 um, home run hitting seasons. But, yeah, Matt Olson on a very good trajectory as of now. Oh, 100%. And so is um, Acuna and Riley behind yeah. him. I Dude, mean, they're, Ry- they're Riley, ways behind him, but. Oh my God, Austin Riley! Like that guy's going crazy right now. Yeah, he is. Uh, but let's get into my next loser. It's Minnesota Twins starting pitcher Joe Ryan. We were raving about this guy to start the season. In his first eleven starts, a two point seven seven ERA, sixty five innings pitched, fifty two hits, twenty two runs, twenty earned runs, thirteen walks, seventy six Ks only giving up six home runs in those first 11 starts. But now he has a 6.2 ERA across his last 11 starts. 61 innings pitched, given up in four more or four less innings. He's given up 14 more hits. It's 66 hits, 42 runs. That's 20 more runs. All of those earned. Every single run he's given up an earned run. 12 walks, which is one less, and the exact same amount of strikeouts with 76, but he's given up 13 more home runs in 11 games. Like, the same amount of games, less innings. He has given up 19 home runs instead of the six he gave up in the first 11. And I'm starting to think that this was just, like, he got a little, like, he was lucky in those first 11. Now he's getting, he's facing teams that he's already faced this season. Yeah, now he's on a 15-day IL. Yeah. So. I would honestly rather have this than Carlos Rodon. Yeah, at least it would have started off well. (laughs) (laughs) But my next winner, keeping it with the Braves, Ronald Acuna. He has the 12th 25-plus home run, 50-plus stolen base season in MLB history. Um, 
and obviously he has quite a ways that he could continue to go, but that's the first since 2007, except Acuna is only 106 games in. Wow. That's the fewest amount of games to get to that point of anybody to record such season. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I believe as of Wednesday's game against the Angels, uh, he's on pace for 38 home runs, 78 stolen bases. Jesus. Yeah. I think he'll get more than 38. Yeah? You think he'll hit 40? I, I, I could see him heating back up, too. Okay. I think I'm predicting a 4-0, at least for Acuna. Yeah, he'd have to get Actually, are Aren't him and Riley around the same? Like, don't they both have, like, 22 or something like that? Well, uh, they're both over, I think, well, Acuna's over 25. Oh. Yeah, I want to. Let me see. Austin Riley. Austin Riley has 25 home runs. Exactly. Okay. And I think Acuna does as well. Acuna is at also 25. Yeah. I bet Acuna will end up more with the more than Austin Riley end of the season. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Just because Austin Riley often just kind of is up and down. Like he'll have like a a, home, a week where he hits like six home runs, and then yep. like next week he'll hit one or zero. So it happens. But yeah, Ronald Acuna crazy. Austin Riley crazy. All the Braves yep. crazy, except All the Bra- yeah. starting pitching. Other than Spencer Schrader. But I'm pretty sure we're going to see Max Fried come back uh, either this weekend or next week, which is nice. It'll be interesting, yep. And I believe Kyle Wright will be starting his rehab assignment soon. Perfect. So we're just we're just skating our way towards the postseason. Yeah. Must um, be easy being a Braves fan. It is now. It sure <laughs> didn't used to be like this. But oh man, my next loser... Another Yankee. This one's just an interesting situation. Jake Bowers strikes out, slams his bat down on the ground, slams his helmet on the ground, and the helmet bounces as a helmet does when you slam it on the ground, and it bounces back up and cuts his lip. (laughs) Like, that's just... Did you see the fucking video where it's like panning around the faces of all the Yankee players at Yankee Stadium, and the stadium's just dead silent, and the players look like they want to kill themselves. Yeah. it. I mean, it just, that Bowers thing, I feel like, just sums it up, really. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it's it. such, like, insult to injury. Like, your yeah. team sucks, you just struck out, you're trying to show your frustration, and then you get hurt in the process. You, you know what it is? It, it's not even like the Yankees are the worst team in the MLB. Like, they're they're obviously not. But no. it's just the fact that the Yankees have such a demanding and massive fan base and massive expectations really all across the board. I feel like even the coaches, you know, they have that Yankee mindset. And it's just like, even when we're this close to 500, it feels like total shit. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's just, uh, and you can see it on the players too. And I honestly, like, at this point, with nothing going on in the trade deadline and Boone being like basically happy with this team somehow, I, I I have no idea what the future holds for this team. And I feel like we have great young players too, but I just can't, I don't see the blueprint is what I'm trying to say at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Um, but my next loser, right, sorry, there, but... <laughs> my next winner. Yeah, well, there's a little more Yankee stuff to talk about after winners and losers, so so don't worry. Uh, but my next winner, Slade Sacconi. I believe that's how you say it. Um, his first career strikeout 
in an interesting situation. He makes the start for the Diamondbacks, first career at bat, or yeah, first at bat of his professional career. He pitch, he throws the pitch. It hits off the knob of the batter's bat, so it doesn't hit his hands. So it's technically a foul ball. Deflects it into his catcher's dick, and the catcher like squeezes his legs together and traps the ball, resulting in his first career strikeout. <laughs> oh man, you had to keep the ball, right? I'm like, he, there's oh my no way god, he didn't keep yeah, that ball. you have to. <laughs> like, what an interesting way to record your first strikeout as a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. And the video is wild because, like, it, it literally just like deflects off the knob of the bat, which is already crazy enough. And the fact that the catcher trapped it, like, on his dick. <laughs> Is hilarious. It's that's incredible. So yeah, shout out Slade. Hopefully your entire career goes this way. <laughs> right? But my next loser, a guy who could have had a career change at the deadline and didn't, Dylan Cease. Um, his night Oof. ended pretty quickly the other day. Uh, final line here: an inning in two thirds, seven runs, all earned, three walks, one strikeout. My God, am I glad he's not a Brave right now. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is the type of shit that as soon as you get... If you would have got traded and did this, fan bases just turn instantly. Oh, on yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, look at Carlos Rodon. <laughs> yeah, he's the, the shining thing, example. Would have been. Yeah. But, oh, boy. Yeah, what a... What a, a tough night when you were trying to prove your value so much and then trade deadline hits and you're just like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I, it really, like his his past couple games like haven't yeah. really been that good. Yeah, it's almost like he was diminishing his value so that he could get traded and they still wouldn't do it. <laughs> yep. But my next winner, a team that had a decent deadline, the Chicago Cubs. They just set a franchise record in the modern era for runs in a two-game span. With 36. Both of these games coming against the Reds, which obviously proves that the Reds should have been way more active at the deadline. But nonetheless, the Cubs scored 16 runs against the Reds on Wednesday after scoring 20 on Tuesday. That yep. thir- that 36 runs uh, in the two games are the most in a two-game span within a season since 19 or sorry, 1897. Damn. Yeah. And what's even crazy is I actually had this too. They've scored 41 runs total against the Reds in the three games, and they still have a game tonight. Yeah. <laughs> they could potentially put up even more. Yeah, it's insane. And to make it crazier, just Chicago's offense in general since the All-Star break has been crazy. 145 runs since the All-Star break. That's more than 40 runs over second place. <laughs> just laughing because uh you know the yankees admitted to being interested in cody bellinger and watched him after the all-star break only to do nothing about it <laughs> yeah all right before i get into what is gonna be make this a special edition of winners and losers i do want to shout out hometown hero drew waters hit a three-run home run the other night for the or, or for the royals shout out lovely uh but This here is what makes this a special edition of Winners and Losers because this is more 
we'll call it this: winners and losers, and one pussy. This won't this won't come often. So <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, yep. Steve this Cohen, is a special spot. Steve, <laughs> Uncle Stevie, Steve Cohen. What you stupid fucking Mets fans were calling this guy, Uncle Stevie, the pussy of the week. Sells off Verlander and Scherzer. Tells both of them that before like before they decide to waive their no trade clause, they talk to Steve Cohen and tells both of them individually that the Mets will not be making big moves this offseason to improve the team and are focused on building to win in twenty twenty five or twenty six. What the fuck? okay, what what happened to this whole I'm the richest owner in the league. I'm going to buy everything. We're going to do great. What happened to that? <laughs> I was enjoying it. I I loved it. I loved it too. And now it looks like they might be trying to trade Pete Alonso this offseason because he's going to be a free agent after 2024. Like, what has happened? Here with this whole this whole thing, like is Steve Cohen trying to start like the MLB's version of the process? Because in case he hasn't realized, it didn't work for the 76ers. Not at all. I I don't know what's happening, but uh, interesting spot. But I will say, Steve Cohen going out and buying very good players from farm systems should be kind of scary. Because that's way more like insidious to all the other owners than like giving Verlander and Scherzer crazy contracts. Insidious was a chilling word you used there. Yeah, no, it's evil of him to just go out and be like, yeah, fuck it. I'll give up these players that I paid huge contracts for. I'll send money with them so that the teams can pay them. And I'll just take Drew Gilbert, who's the Astros' top prospect and I'll take Luis Angel Acuna because he's one of the Rangers top prospects and he's an Acuna and it takes an Acuna to win the NL East (laughs) I like that (laughs) so yeah pussy of the week Steve Cohen first ever somebody send him an award (laughs) honestly (laughs) send him like a plaque Steve Cohen pussy of the week I just think it's funny that the Mets essentially gave up. Yeah, no, they completely gave up. Like, that's that's the funniest thing to me. But um, I actually have a question here from my notes, and kind of in regards to this. Yeah. Who in, what's the better trade, Verlander or Scherzer? Who won between those two teams and those players? Um, I think the better trade is probably Verlander returning to the Astros. Okay. What what do you think these trades mean for those teams? Like what I mean, how are the Rangers going to look with now Scherzer on their team? What are the Astros going to look with Verlander on their team? I think for the Astros, they get significantly better because they've had a little bit of problems with that end of the rotation. But for the Rangers, it, it's a little bit of a different situation because their starting pitching just keeps going down. Jacob Degrom out for the season. Eovaldi having some issues as well. He's out right now. They needed starting pitching. Or they were going to start falling off. The Astros, their ace just threw a no-hitter the same night they just got Justin Verlander back. (laughs) Guy who won Cy Young for them last year. Like, this can only mean good things for them. Whereas for the Rangers, 
them getting Scherzer is a sign of like, oh shit, like we're running out of starting pitchers. Yep. And as an Astros fan and honestly, or player, Kate Upton gets to go to your games again. Yeah. Shout out Kate Upton. Woo. Uh, damn. Bonk. <laughs> All right. You ready for my MLB recap? Let's hear AKA it. my little, my, my quick stats. I guess <laughs> usually what it. I always do. So Anthony Volpe, um, you know, on the ship that's sinking, basically. Joins Jeter as the only Yankee shortstop to hit 10 home runs and steal 20 stolen bases or have 20 stolen bases. I'm interesting there. Huh, good Grace? stuff. No, it's good stuff. <laughs> right? And this one's even better. You're really going to like this one. I saw this one on, I can't remember the baseball account. Um, anyway, it's on Instagram. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton as a pinch hitter. This is, this is good stuff here. He is three for 40 with 22 strikeouts. And that batting average comes out to be like a .075. He could legally drive if that was his BAC. <laughs> um, Shout let's out. Let's see what else I have. I feel like we probably shouldn't be talking about alcohol with Yankees players. No, no, uh, man, touchy subject right now. But uh, <laughs> at least, at least we can we can laugh at this one. The other one's a little bit more serious. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, you have uh the John Boy podcast, right? I'm I guess I'm kind of keeping it with the Yankees, not intentional, but it's just kind of no, what I'm noticing. I, I um, really want to talk about this. So. Please. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Boone, um, as some of you may know, is a kind of like a reoccurring guest. I think he's weekly on the John Boy Media podcast. Um, and John Boy kind of challenged him, which you rarely see in interviews like this, where an interviewee um, will get challenged like that. It, it was just like, it was insane. So the quote was, John Boy, the scariest part to me is that you guys truly think that this is the team and next year is the same thing as this year. And Boone actually responded by calling that comment passive aggressive and said, we aren't going to roll over. Um, and John Boy then replied, well, the Mets did, and they'll probably be a better team than the Yankees in two seasons. And my question to you, Grayson, is that's a pretty interesting claim that uh, John Boy just made. But like, do you think that the Mets will be better than the Yankees in two seasons with them kind of rolling over this season and selling. Yeah, I do. Look, I, I get, I get where Aaron Boone's coming from. First of all, because, okay, let's be honest. He doesn't have control of this team. It's not his fault. All of what John boy is saying is essentially just like he's saying it to Aaron Boone, but he wants Brian Cashman to hear it. And yeah, I think that John Boy is certainly right here because if they're going to stick with what they've got right now, yeah, maybe they'll go after a couple of free agents this offseason. Yeah, you're probably going to get into a, a heated bidding for Shohei Otani, but honestly, I don't think it's worth going out. Yes, okay, never mind. Let me, let me rephrase this. It's 100% worth going after Shohei Otani if you can actually get him. I think Shohei wants to stay out west. And that's going to be the concerning part for the Yankees. So I don't know if it's going to be worth their time because you're going to have to put all your resources into trying to get Shohei Otani. Is Shohei Otani going to play third base for you? Is Shohei Otani going to, you know, be 
be in relief? Is he going to be a consistent reliever? Is he going to play left field? No. There's other things that this team has to address to become a better team. I think that's why John Boy said that the Mets are almost doing it right because like what I brought up, they're just collecting youth. Guys that are going to grow over these next you know year or two and get significantly better. And I think that gives them such a leg up on the Yankees. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And just to kind of like even further bash Aaron Boone for just a second is he said a couple days ago that the Yankees had a good outing against uh, Dean Kramer, who is a starter for the Baltimore Orioles. Well, <clears throat> the Yankees struck out two-thirds of the at-bats in that game. 67% of the at-bats versus Dean Kramer led in a strikeout. Was saying that we, you know, competed well against him. And it's just like, man, I, I'm, I'm just so tired of, like, them not realizing, like, how bad in a spot we are. I don't care that we're over 500. We're not good enough <laughs> to compete with any of the four teams that are in our division right yeah. now. And the Orioles proved it in a series like a couple weeks ago. They proved it in a series, I think, last week or earlier this week. I can't really remember when it was. We just get shit on. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm going to go into more of this in my uh, claim stake, but it's just uh, it's brutal right now. And I, like I said earlier, I don't see it changing. Yeah. Um, let me, I have a couple of just extra like news things kind of in the same vein as your stuff. Um, and then we're going to talk about Domingo Armand last. Um, all right. That threw me off by saying that. But I'll start here. <laughs> Austin Riley and Matt Olson have hit six back to back home runs this season. Wow. The only teammate duo to hit more back to back home runs in a season in MLB history were Rich Aurelia and Barry Bonds in 2001. They hit seven. And Andres Galarraga and Larry Walker, who hit eight in 1997 for the Colorado Rockies. That is crazy that at this point in the season, Riley and Olsen are already at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's it's right after All-Star break still. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. We've still got two full months of baseball. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, I do <laughs> – I got to talk about this guy. Um a, a, a tough MLB debut for one Jordan Adams. Uh, he made his debut for the Los Angeles Angels and uh, didn't quite go to plan. He threw to the wrong base twice. He started in center field. I need to say that. Threw to the wrong base twice, allowing runners to advance, um, and also had a bit of a misplay on a ball which turned a single into a double. Not great. Yeah. When you're trying to, you know, fill the space of Mike Trout in center field. <laughs> Not great at all. <laughs> I do have more news, by the way. Okay, done. yeah, go ahead. Before, before Domingo, at least. Yeah, I got a couple more things as well, so you can go ahead. Okay. Um, did you see fucking uh, Josh Walker and Francisco Alvarez? I did not. Dude, th this was, I, and I mean, like, I, I know I, you know, we've been shitting on the Mets a lot right now, but, like, this is just, like, now I kind of feel bad for him here, so... They're having trouble with the pitch comm, and Josh Walker ends up, like, getting called on a bulk, like, 15 seconds after they kind of, like, you know, it's a very apparent that they're having issues, the catcher and the pitcher are, with the pitch comm. 
And then the Royals walked it off. <laughs> and, okay. like, both the teams just, like, walked off the diamond. And I, it was just so bizarre. Yeah, I knew about the walk-off balk. I didn't know about how it happened. That's crazy. Yeah, like, Josh Walker kind of, like, just barely started his pitch rotation. And then I think Alvarez kind of, like, you know, stood up and sort of, like, walked towards him. And they walked towards each other. And the umpires, you know, kind of start shuffling around. And then 20 seconds later, the game ends. Yeah. The Royals walk it off. It's, it was insane. Yeah. Just in general, Wednesday was very interesting. Um, yes. Or just like the past couple of days because we had a no-hitter by Framer Valdez. We had a walk-off balk by Josh Walker. We had the Cubs scoring 20-plus runs with 7-plus home runs in one game. And Ben Lively took the mound and allowed 13 earned runs. Damn. Yeah. How do you let a pitcher let 13 runs in? I have a feeling it was just like a we give up type thing because he was on the Reds in that game against the Cubs. So that's kind of tough, but yeah. Actually, I have a baseball question in regards to that, actually. So if you're like, you know, deep into the bullpen because you're getting shit on. Yeah. When does it get to the point where you let a pitcher pitch just to get crapped on because, like, everybody else has been used? Well, the thing is is that you're always going to have to preserve guys because you don't want a dude coming in, pitching a full inning, and then, like, forcing him to go back out there tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be pretty – like, you got to keep it under five, personally. Like, five and under pitchers in a game. Okay. So – you know, if your starter comes in, he doesn't have a great day, he comes out in, you know, like the fifth or the fourth, then you should really only be letting your guys get like, maybe you bring in a long reliever and you're already down, you know, four or five runs. He gives up two or three more and now you're kind of a little bit out of reach. Then he gets through his two innings, gives up those runs. From there, it's like, we're going to throw you in. You got to finish your inning. Yeah. For each guy after that. So I, I just, I, I kind of feel like once you're down eight runs and you've already gone through two pitchers, you kind of just got to tell the guys like, look, we're, we're probably going to lose. Just go through your stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, all right. You go ahead with uh, something else. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, cool stat here. Did you know that in 2011 to 2012, Justin Verlander threw 489.1 innings that season? What's crazy is that's roughly 18 more innings than Tyler Glasnow has pitched in his entire career. <laughs> How long has Tyler Glasnow been up? Like four seasons? I don't know, but I know he's been hurt as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, he made his debut. Oh my god, he made his debut in 2016. Hey shit. <laughs> uh, that's 8 years and he has thrown 478 innings. Wow. Yeah, his highest innings total was 111 in 2018. That was the year that he got traded from Pittsburgh to Tampa. Since then, his highest has been 88 and that was 2021. Dang. It's crazy. Dang, dang, dang. And then um, my last one is actually a question for you, Grayson. Yeah. I've been uh, seeing this a lot, and I honestly, like, 
a long time ago, I used to think that this was actually a thing, but it obviously isn't. Should the MLB reserve September 11th through the 12th a three-game series between the Yankees and the Mets? Have it every single year. I'd like that. That'd be cool. I think it would be cool. Um, I remember, oh man, this was like back when A-Rod was still playing. It was like 2015 or 16. I can't remember A-Rod's last year, but um, the Yankees and Mets actually did play each other on 9-11. And I remember like watching all like the pregame ceremonies and stuff and getting to see like some of the Yankee, Yankees players go to Monument Park. And I think there's actually a 9-11 memorial in Monument Park. It was just um, really, really cool to see. Yeah, I think that'd be very cool if they they set that up kind of uh like it too. it's kind of uh, it's not really the same but like making it where like every single year this team plays this team at the same time that would be cool kind of like uh yeah. Tennessee and Alabama in college football they play each other i think it's the third thursday of october i really don't know or, when uh, it actually or is. georgia florida is that yeah that's yeah the the biggest cocktail party in the whatever uh, <laughs> i Halloween. don't know what the fuck they call that um, <laughs> world's greatest cocktail world's biggest cocktail party I think that's what they call it I don't know um, <laughs> I don't give a shit it's a good game uh, let's talk about this real quick Oral Hershiser who obviously legendary Dodgers pitcher but also color commentator for the Dodgers now uh, I think they were talking about the Eduardo Rodriguez trade not happening because Eduardo um, had a, a 10 team no trade clause uh, and evoked that so that he didn't have to take his whole family and move from Detroit to Los Angeles, um, which is very commendable of him. But uh, Oral Hershiser actually talked about on the broadcast that he was supposed to be involved in a trade to the Rangers when he was a minor leaguer in the Dodgers system, but a pitcher, Jim Sundberg, I think he was a pitcher, uh, used his no-trade clause to stop the trade and didn't end up in L.A., and that completely changed the course of Earl Hershiser's career. It's weird. Yeah. So you never think about like the minor leaguers that could be affected by that. Hey, that's strange. So like a player could use a no trade clause, but like in the case of if that player is getting traded with another player, it can end the trade yeah. and affect that. That's insane. Yeah, never it's, thought it's of it insane. like that before. Cause, well, like the um, who was with the Padres um, when they made the trade with um, for Juan Soto, uh, Eric Hosmer used his no trade clause so that he didn't have to go to Washington, and then they ended up working it out and they added Luke Voigt to the trade. But um, yeah, like that stopped Eric Hosmer from having to go. But then they still went forward with the trade and like added somebody. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, and then this was the so this is something that doesn't happen very often. The MLB actually made a scoring change. Uh, this dates back to July sixteenth, Red Sox versus Cubs. Uh, Colton Wong hit a double in the fifth, and that got changed to a two base error on Nico Horner, and as a result, the five earned runs charged to Justin Steele are now unearned. And that dropped Justin Steele's season ERA down to a 2.46. Ow. Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about Domingo. I'll let uh -oh. you set it up. So, 
we have uh, a guy that's you know been a part of some controversy before, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's looking like you know with this new information, um, and obviously I'm I'm referring to his uh, alcohol problem and him. What was it? He basically like checked himself into a uh, rehab facility. I don't know if he was the one that checked himself in. I have a yeah, feeling he, it was a bit of the Yankees telling him to do so. Yeah, it may have been the Yankees as well. But um, yeah, I saw on Twitter that a lot of the Yankees players had described him as belligerent in the clubhouse. And it's just uh, it's just a sad story because it seems like, you know, it really wasn't even that long ago, Grayson, when he uh, he pitched the first perfect game in the MLB in like, you know, 11, 10 years, something like that. Yeah. And uh, it's just it, it just um. You know, it goes to show that the athletes that make a lot of money have their own stuff too uh, that they just can't escape from, and it's uh, really, really sad. And um, hope this all gets resolved for him personally. Yeah, it's a very weird thing to happen because um, you know we've heard stories of like MLB players in the past, like you know a guy maybe not pitching that day shows up is drinking, but like not like this. Not to the point where it's like the guy's like blackout drunk in the clubhouse, like causing issues. Yeah. And yeah, very, very strange. Yeah, like Babe Ruth used to like drink a twelve pack and fucking hit three home runs in a game. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah. rail lines of cocaine. But and like Wade Boggs drank like eighty beers on a flight from LA to Boston. I've heard that story. That story is awesome. <laughs> uh, hey, it's a long flight. It is not long enough for 80 beers, but a long flight. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So to kind of get into like the things that were said uh, from Yankees and Yankees officials, Brian Cashman said that alcohol abuse is something that Domingo Armand has had to deal with in the past. So it looks like this isn't anything new. Like this is a problem that's been going on for a long time. And the incident that took place the other day um, was uh, kind of the breaking point. Cashman said that he would not provide any details on what happened, but did say that he's worried right now for the person and the immediate family. And then the Yankees put out a statement saying that it is critical that Domingo completely focuses on addressing his health and well-being and that they'll respect his privacy as begins this process. This is just kind of sad. Yeah, um, it's, it's super sad. You know, as much as people are going to people are going to make jokes about this, I guarantee it. I'll probably make jokes about this once it's kind of water under the bridge. But right now, like this is a guy who has an issue and has had issues in the past. And it's just, it's very hard to see, especially because we think of professional athletes as like these very like, you know, strong people. And like, you know, they, they're just these stand up human beings. And then, guys like this go like have these situations and it just completely taints the idea. Yeah. And, and to be even more specific and bounce off of you, like mentally tough, you know, like we're, yeah. we expect them to have that drive and them to be completely focused on their craft and their workouts. But, you know, as you just said, and as I said earlier, there's, you know, definitely, definitely, definitely human beings first. And there are some things mentally that can just completely, off even the strongest of people so yeah uh really hope he can get the help he needs e even if you know that means never playing baseball again and just being you know like happy with what he has yep 
I just hope that he's fine. Yeah, whatever it takes to 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 save your own life. Yes. I think anybody would accept it. Um yeah, I'm I'm very glad that, you know, in recent times like this is something that people are willing to be open about now in sports, like mental health and and substance problems cuz like I know Darren Waller very open about his particular situation which was um I believe painkillers um but yeah, this is just it's it's very hard to see. It, it definitely surprised me. I'll say that. Yeah, me too. But um, sure. Let's get into the weekend preview. Let's lighten the mood. Yeah, let's do it. We always seem to do this. We like to end segments with the very sad thing, and then just turn <laughs> it around and be like, "Yeah, man, this series is going to be so good." <laughs> <laughs> Man, we just got to dial in. We got to yeah. dial in. Hey, look, we are dialed. That's for sure. And um, what's your favorite series this weekend? Um, I, I know it starts tonight, but uh, Yankees-Astros. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Should I be excited, Grayson? <laughs> I am. I'm always excited to see the Astros come to Yankee Stadium and get absolutely fucking showered in booze. <laughs> yeah, they don't, uh, they're do not not very welcome there, are they? Yeah, and maybe we shouldn't be yeah. talking about being showered in booze at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make jokes, but I'm gonna wave <laughs> water under the bridge. <laughs> Here we go. I'm sorry, oh, I, I I laid <laughs> myself up way too easily. <laughs> that I mean, yeah, I lobbed it board. off the backboard. Um, Orioles and Blue Jays are playing right now. Yeah, Jack um, Flaherty's making his debut. Yeah. Um. It's uh, going pretty well for him. Uh, he's only given up two hits right now. Um, or no, actually, no, 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 never mind. It's not going good for him. Hey, no, it is. They're up three zero. Oh yeah, yeah. Dang, I can't. I'm read watching. A it. I've been watching it since score. we started. Shit, but yeah, the Orioles. Uh, Ten hits, two hits right now. Three zero. Yeah, it's been a pretty good Damn. game for the Orioles and Jack Flaherty. So, shout out that. That's a good uh, start. Yep, D-backs Giants are playing right now. That's another good one. Um, which other ones are you looking at? I mean, Mariners, Angels. Yeah, yeah. Going into the weekend, I really like Mariners, Angels. I think this is a big one for the Angels, considering their trade deadline acquisitions, like picking up CJ Crone um, and picking up Randall Grichuk and Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez. Like these are huge. Or no, yeah, yeah, Ronaldo Lopez. Um, those are big acquisitions, and we got to see it pay off. Giolito has not been off to a good start, but CJ Crone and Randall Grichuk have. So those two are paying off, but this is a big one. They're, they both, uh, they're very close in the standings right now in the AL West. Uh, I believe the Angels are 56, yeah, 56 and 53. The Mariners yep. only a half game back, 56 and 52. Or, sorry, half game ahead, 56 and 52. Um, yeah, but the angels are great at home this year. So that's, that's a big advantage. Uh, I just realized that I was looking at Thursday. So now I, I take back what I said about the Orioles and, um, the, was it the blue Jays, right? Yeah. No, the, yeah. They're yeah. playing the so Red that, Sox, the blue Jays. It's still, it's still a good series, just not for the weekend. Um, let's see Braves Cubs. I mean, the Cubs have a yep. flying offense going into, um, going in to play the Braves. So that's going to be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that one will be. Very fun to watch. We'll get to see Dansby versus the Braves, which is going to be interesting. And we get to face Kyle Hendricks, who's given us some problems, surprisingly. Probably just because he 
throws a fucking meatball all the time. We're not used to it. <laughs> but yeah, we get to see Max Fried's debut on Friday coming back. Well, not debut, but his return from injury on Friday. It'll be fun. Yep. And we'll see Bryce Elder Saturday. And then we'll close out Sunday with Charlie Morton uh, against Justin Steele. So awesome. Uh, pretty solid lineup here uh, for the weekend. Yep, Blue Jays, Red Sox, uh, Marlins, yeah, uh, Rangers is going to be good. Yeah, Marlins, Rangers could be real good. 105 degrees out there in Texas today or uh, tomorrow. Oh, and uh, I don't has Jordan Montgomery pitched for the Rangers yet? Because he no, pitches on I believe, Friday. I believe this is his debut for Texas. He'll face uh, Lizardo, who's had a pretty good season himself. Oh, yeah. Two lefties. Yeah, putting putting a good one together. So, yeah, um, I think that kind of rounds it out. Mariners-Angels, I think, is the one that I'm excited for the most. I mean, Dodgers-Padres will have a lot of talent on the field. Oh, the yeah. Padres aren't very good, but... They have talent. Yeah. We do get to watch Bobby Miller. Shout out. Bobby Shout Miller, out. very good. We, try, we have somehow avoided talking about him, but... <laughs> he only ever comes up in the weekend preview. But he's had a great start to his rookie year. Tough ERA, but that's going to happen. Um, yep. All right. You ready to get into the AFC North preview? Um, Before that, can we talk about the free agents that are left? Oh, in the MLB? Yeah. Sure. No, in the NFL. Oh, sorry. Yeah, to like kind of yeah, go into like an yeah, NFL Let's do a little bit of NFL news. So I saw this on Instagram. I'm just going to my saved right now. I actually have like a little podcast folder for stuff that I see. I'll Good. just put stuff in here. Um. Yeah, so I'm going to drop some names to you, Grayson, and you just tell me what you think. I got 10 here. So Carson Wentz being the first one. He does not have a team yet. Makes sense. Uh, Dalvin Cook, obviously, still does not have a team. He'll have one within like the next two weeks probably. Yep. Um, Julio Jones, who I totally forgot about, does not have a team. Once Um, again, not surprised, but he'll probably end up on a team. Yeah, and he's a guy that I think could still have a good season. Um, not like, you know, Atlanta yeah. Falcons, Julio Jones, but he didn't look bad with Brady last season. I mean, they they used Julio in a lot of unique ways, I thought. And, um, yeah, I would love to see Julio, you know, get more touches. Uh, Leonard Fournette, another Buccaneer, does not have a team yet. Yeah, I know um, he uh, he visited with the Patriots, I believe. Um, that's so kind that, of interesting. That could be interesting. Yep. Um, Jadevian Clowney. I think that's just a matter of he's kind of fallen out of favor. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He's a guy, he's going to end up somewhere. Exactly. A guy that'll definitely end up somewhere though. And this is one that I saw today that I like completely forgot that he didn't have a team because he's still effective. Kareem Hunt does not have a team. Yeah, I've been, I've been talking about this one for, for a little bit now. He has to end up on a team. A hundred percent. That's like an that's like a running back one, in my opinion. I, I don't know if he's a one anymore. I know a <clears> lot <throat> of people have said that his speed has kind of diminished, and that was a huge asset in his game. So that's what's kind of turned teams away. But like, throw him on a team as running back two. I see no problem with that. Exactly, and in a league where it seems like the meta is to have two running backs, like he kind of fits perfectly in that sense. So, yeah, yeah, Kareem Hunt will definitely get a team. I, I'm- uh, Give me actually. I, I want to say so. I think I' gonna make a prediction right here. Okay. I think Kareem Hunt ends up on. Actually, no. I was thinking about the Seahawks, but they drafted Zach Charbonnet. Hmm. I think he goes out west, though. 
I think he ends up on one of the maybe like the Cardinals, like a bad team out there. Okay. Um, Jarvis Landry, definitely a player that's fallen off, but I yeah. don't see why, you know, he wouldn't have a team for cheap, honestly. Uh, Ndamukha Sue, getting old, but I would say still very effective. He can be dangerous, um, obviously. Yeah. You know, he is a dangerous guy. He's got to, um, <laughs> he's got to go somewhere where he can just kind of be rotated in and out. Yeah. And, you know, be able to step on the face mask of anybody he wants to. Yeah. Uh, I, I see him kind of in the same boat with like Calais Campbell going to the Falcons where it's like they can both still be very effective, very good, but like they're going to be rotated in and out pretty regularly. Yep, and then I'm going to end it off with a name on here that's not too big because I think he should just retire, unfortunately, but Matt Ryan is still technically a free agent. Yeah, he's he's retiring. So like he's already he's already going to be on TV next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um but yeah, those are the free agents that I had for the NFL. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot, if not all, but Matt Ryan on that list will get picked up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But let's do it. AFC North preview. Oh. As we've done with the last couple, we'll start with the standings, then dark horses to win, MVPs, defensive player of the years, rookies, and surprise players to watch. Luke, say it. Go ahead. Oh, man. So... Pre-recording, Grayson and I both said that we had trouble coming up with the standings because the AFC North really just is a toss-up, I feel like. Maybe not between number one, but third and second place, I feel like. It's like water. It'll just, it can move anywhere. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, I, I went with the safe option, and I actually wrote down first Bengals- Steelers, Ravens, Browns, but I'm actually going to flip the Steelers and the Ravens. I think the Ravens will get second and the Steelers will get third, but just wait till my dark horse. Okay. All right. <laughs> yep. My standings are Bengals, Steelers, Browns, Ravens. Wow. Yeah, look, okay. I, I, I don't think this Joe Burrow injury is as big as people think, so that's kind of putting the Bengals at one. And I've already talked about how I, I like what they have this year, and it's a good situation. I love the pickups that the Steelers have made. I love what they already have and the potential that Kenny Pickett could turn it up. I, I really like that. For the Browns, it's a matter of they're going to improve, but how quickly? That's that's my only issue here. How quickly are they going to improve? And then yep. with the Ravens, I think there's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of getting used to with this offense. Of course, you have Lamar Jackson undeniably going to run shit. But new offense, new wide receivers, kind of across the board outside of Rashad Bateman. And you're having issues with J.K. Dobbins at running back already with money. Just like every team's having issues with their running back. Um and then on the defense, you just gotta stay healthy. But like Marlon Humphreys is gonna is one of the best corners in the league. Yes. There's no other good corner on that team. Uh, that, they got um is Marcus Peters still not over there? Uh no, I thought he left. I had it pulled up. Hang on. I do like their safeties going. though. Yeah, um, Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton are like that's a really underrated duo there, I feel like. Yeah, Marcus Peters plays for the Raiders now. Okay, my bad. 
Yeah. So <clears> I, but, um, I don't like what they offer at the corner position outside of Marlin. And I just, I don't know. I, I feel like there's going to be inconsistencies here for the Ravens, and that's the only thing. Because, look, I, I think the Ravens could probably go like 9-8 and eight at the least and still come in last in this division. Ooh, wow. You think the, you think the Browns could be better than 9-8? and eight? Yeah. Look, they, they have the talent. That's a take, but, but I like they, it. You, if Deshaun Watson becomes 90-85% of his best years in Houston, you're gonna win like ten games with the guys you got on this team. That yeah, okay. I mean they, yeah. I mean even losing Cream Hunt isn't even really that big of a deal. No, I feel like to them. Uh, do they still have uh, Dearness Johnson? I don't know. Um, he he looked decent when he came in for relief for him. Yeah, I, I can't quite remember. Anyway, um, no, I, I definitely like that take, though. Um, and, and I like the Ravens take, too. I, I didn't really think about the possibilities of, like, you know, all the new stuff and just not clicking for maybe a season or two. I, yeah. I'm just kind of focused on the hype of what it means for them. I, I think you're exactly right. Is it They could finish last place based on the fact that the Browns do have talent and the fact that the Ravens, you know, just may not click right off the bat. Yeah, but I'm going to go ahead and just do this. My dark horse is the Ravens. Because they could be good off the rip. <laughs> and they, they could just win 14 games, 15 games. Like, there's no telling. I like that, baby. I like that. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. Who's your dark horse? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I figured. All I don't, know, I don't know. Are they really a dark horse? Because, like, yeah, everybody thinks the Bengals are going to win it. But, like, it's feasible that the Steelers could be up there. You are not a Super Bowl contender with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, which that's makes fair. you a dark horse. That okay. that is my I get that. That's a, an argument there. Um, but, but that's a good point that you brought up. Um, first of all, had a phenomenal draft. Added guys like Broderick Jones, who I freaked out about. Go watch the episode if you haven't. Uh, Keanu Benton at nose, Joey Porter Jr. at cornerback, Darnell Washington at tight end, just to name the first four that we picked. Both, I think, all those guys will see substantial reps at the least. Darnell is probably the only one I mentioned that won't start there, which is, I mean, perfect. Your team just drafted three starters. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, Agency-wise, I feel like the Steelers were one of the more underrated teams. You got Patrick Peterson, who can train Joey Porter Jr., didn't even really give him that much money either. And he's coming off of, like, one of his best seasons ever at a very old age with the Vikings. So we're getting Patrick Peterson at a phenomenal time, I think. Uh, Nate Herbig at guard, we signed him. He's going to be an underrated guy, I think, that we picked up. One of the most important things that the Steelers did, though, Grayson, was wash the middle linebackers. Steelers linebackers is a sacred position to play in the NFL. They are historically good and tough, and some would even call them dirty. Our middle linebackers last season, Devin Bush and Miles Jack, who had a lot of hype going in, were complete dog shit. Completely washed them. Added Cole Holcomb, who was a captain on the Commanders for a couple of years, and Elandon Roberts, who was a captain on the Dolphins defense for a couple of years, also brought in veteran Nick uh, Kowatkowski. Yeah, you're. I, think I you're should close. know this because I'm Polish, but he's a veteran linebacker. He didn't play much last season with the Falcons, but still a guy who's been in the league for a minute or two. Also signed Pro Bowler uh, uh, linebacker Quan Alexander, which is massive. Super, super, super excited about that. And then, you know, as we've kind of just mentioned, 
young guys that are already there are going to get even better. Deontay Johnson's still young. George Pickens is young. Fryermuth is young. Pickett's young. The whole offensive line is young. Najee's young. Uh, I missed a free agent signing Allen Robinson. He's going to be on the Steelers. It It is getting very, very, very exciting. And, or well, we'll get into him and the surprise players, but like there, there's a couple guys on the Steelers that I don't think a lot of people really know much about too. So I am just, I'm pumped, man. That's all I can say. Yeah. Oh, I'm pumped for you. Yeah. Sorry. I talked for a long time, but I'm just, uh, I'm hyped. What can I say? It, it's uh, just a lot of new guys coming in that I think are going to drastically affect this team a lot more than what people think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you brought up tons of great points there, especially with the acquisitions in the offseason. That's the biggest thing for me with the Steelers. They made great moves. Yes. But let's get to the MVP nominees of this division. I think the obvious ones, Joe Burrow and Lamar. Yeah. Um, Joe Burrow, Lamar. Uh, I threw on um, Nick Chubb here. I think Me he too. could have an MVP caliber year. Uh, Miles Garrett. Jamar Chase. Yep, Jamar Chase is on my list too. Uh, I put Odell on. Fuck it. Ah. I mean, <laughs> seriously, I, I think it's uh, it's exciting stuff over there for Baltimore. Uh, TJ Watt made my list. Um, yeah, that that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, my four was Burrow, Lamar, Chubb, and Jamar. Like it. Uh, defensive Player of the Year, though. I think this is a very good division for defense. For sure. Uh, I got three players on the Steelers: Cameron Hayward, Minka, and TJ Watt. Yeah, uh, I've got TJ and uh, Minka as well. Um, I also added Roquan and Miles Garrett to this list. Yep, I got Ro- Roquan and Miles Garrett. Also Trey Hendrickson, the uh, the lone Bengal yes. on here. Yes. Uh, Denzel Ward, fantastic cornerback. So glad you put him on there, man. Yep. He is very underrated. Yeah, and then my sleeper, Kyle Hamilton. Safety for the Ravens. Fucking amazing. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, rookies. So, as I literally just got done talking about, the Steelers have very exciting rookies on their team. Roderick Jones is an offensive lineman. He'll never get it. Arnell Washington won't see enough reps. And Joey Porter Jr., I think, is going to be a little bit more of a project player. Uh, he's been kind of getting cooked in training camp. I, I'm not going to lie. He He's made some plays. He's he's definitely got a lot to learn. Um so I don't think it'll be any of the major Steelers rookies. Um, and Bengals, in my opinion, kind of had duds duds of a draft compared to the Steelers and the Ravens. Yeah. My only rookie of the year is Zay Flowers. All right. Yeah, Zay is definitely my top just because he's in the best situation to do it. Um, I put Joey Porter Jr. just because I really believe in him, but I do agree with you. I think it's going to take some time for him to reach his potential. And then also Miles Murphy. I think he was a great pickup. Um, he could be kind of a quick addition to the defense um, for the Bengals. So, you know, we'll see. Yes, indeed we will. Um, all right, surprise players. I think this is going to be a, a fun one to talk about. Yeah, so I this is where Denzel Ward made my list. Going into his third season, um, as I just mentioned, super underrated player. I think the third season for him is where he makes the jump to, like, everybody's talking. I thought he'd played more than that. I thought he had too, but I made sure to look it up today. Okay, yeah, because yep. well, I guess he got drafted in the same year as Baker, right? Um, I'm looking him up now. Denzel Ward. 
he's only he's 26 years old. Oh, never mind. He was drafted in 2018. Okay, yeah, same year as Baker because Baker was one, Denzel was four. Um, so yeah, he's played a couple of years. So yeah, 2018, 19, 20, so five seasons. Okay, so I guess Google only showed like the last two on the screen. I had to like click like a drop down or something. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's fucked. Yeah, going into his sixth year, I still yeah. think there's a lot for him to do here. I do too. Um, uh, a, a really good one though, and you're gonna like this take, Casey, Monte Casey. Yeah. So the Steelers never re-signed Terrell Edmonds at strong safety. I think because Casey came in uh, once he was a. Uh, he was hurt throughout like the whole beginning of the season and came in like towards the end had a really, really good season with the Steelers. So I think that they're going to have him at strong safety alongside Minka. Um, I have Kyle Hamilton on this list. I think he could take a massive jump. And then another underground Steelers player that I have um, is Calvin Austin, the third and honestly, really every Steelers wide receiver, I think could surprise a lot of people, but Calvin Austin uh, sauce Gardner said that he was the hardest player he ever had to guard in college. Calvin Austin's just some tiny speedster out of Memphis, but he looks, he's like wicked fast. Yeah. Um, and I think he could be a surprise player as well. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I, I honestly never heard of him. Yes. Uh, my he's guys crazy. to watch this one. I don't know if it's much of a surprise, but he's definitely a player to watch is Kenny Pickett. There's going to, there has to be a lot of growth this season for him, for the Steelers to be good and for him to look good. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So he's definitely one to watch. I think David Ajabo for the Ravens is one to watch. He was out all last year, but he could certainly be a huge impact player on that defense. And then Daxton Hill for the Bengals. Uh, it's safety. It's going to be big, you know, filling the hole that is left by the departures of Von Bell and Jesse Bates. Daxton Hill has quite a lot of work to do in that secondary, and I think he could certainly prove himself this year. I like it. So, yeah, those are my guys that are surprise players to watch. I had one more. Okay. Uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Okay. From the Browns, the linebacker. I think he could be really, really sick next year. I like that. Yeah, I've I've heard good things. All right. I think that rounds it out. I think this is going to be a great division. I still love that series, man. Um, yeah, I think this division could go like kind of like what you said, all above 500. Yeah, and maybe maybe a team goes eight and nine, seven and ten, just from yeah, some slip ups or injuries. The crazy part is, is it could it could be all, it, any four of them could be the team under five hundred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, um, yeah. it's just. Uh, but I love the North, man. The physicality and how tough it's been in the last couple of years. Like it's just ah, so fun. All love right. It. Well, next week, AFC East: Bills, Dolphins, Jets, <laughs> another Patriots. heater. Yes, another, another heater. Another heater. Oh, Lord. Can't wait. And then uh, that'll push us two weeks from now, which we will start the NFC. Same thing. We'll go west, south, north, east for that. And um, it's actually timed up fantastic because um, the it'll be September 7th is the day that we record the uh, the final week of these previews and i believe that is the same day that the nfl season starts yeah because we record on a thursday so it'd be thursday night football yep 
Let's see. Yeah, 2023, week one, September 7th, Detroit, Kansas City, Thursday Night Football. So it works out perfectly. I love it. All right. Let's get into the Premier League. Match day one, a week from when you're listening to this on Friday. Manchester City versus Burnley to start it all off. And uh, we got a whole lot ahead of us this season. I am so excited for the Premier League season. Um, yeah, you know, obviously, I'm not releasing my team yet. I'm, I'm close. I'm getting down to like, kind of dialing in on one. I'll say that, but no, no secrets. I'm not even telling Luke who it is. So nope. even next week's episode, it'll be a surprise to him when I announce it. But nonetheless, I'm excited for the Prem. You know, I watching... kick it off. Hold on. All right, just <laughs> slow, slow your roll there. I, I'm standing right now, man. There's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm definitely not standing, but uh, I am excited. And you know, for me, this is my first year from from August to June or May, whenever it really ends. I'm gonna be watching, and we're gonna be talking about it. So I'm really excited to get into this season. I think, you know, watching all of the transfers this year, seeing where everybody's gone is going to just, it's really boosted my excitement. I'm I'm super excited for the teams that have made huge changes like Chelsea. Arsenal's made a lot of changes. Man City has a lot of changes. Like the top tier teams are really going to look different from last year. And I'm very excited to watch this season. So Let's start here. Who's going to make the Champions League? Who is top four in the league next year, Luke? All right. So the reason I wanted to kick it off is I, I just wanted to start it off hot because this will piss you off. It'll be City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool. Okay. In that order. All right. I have my order as well. I have City, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea. Oh, wow. I'm surprised you also went with Chelsea. Dude, I love the moves. I love the moves they've made. I love Poch. I think he's a fantastic manager. I think he has the right mindset for this Chelsea team in this kind of yep. rebuilding phase. So uh, I I really like the, the prospect of them making the top four. I think for me is it's just um, more so the environment change there. And, and I brought it up last podcast, but Reese James said that, you know, they got rid of a lot of players who just didn't want to be there anymore. That Honestly, right there is one of the biggest things that you could have done besides bringing in new guys that, you know, clearly want to show out in the blue jersey. So, you know, I, I think that's really what's going to drive Chelsea. And 2015-16 season, Chelsea came in 10th place, and it was, you know, brutal. I, I would not like to remember that season. But the season after that, without having to be in the Champions League, the Chelsea only had to – or Chelsea only had to focus on – um like your domestic cups and your premier league. So we won the league in 16 and 17. So I think that Chelsea not being in Europe will have a huge advantage for them, especially in the prim next season. That's why I think they'll get third. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like it. I like, you know, for Chelsea, it's just, this squad is totally different. Keppa yes. is most likely going to be the primary keeper. Um, And then obviously Tiago Silva stays, but you have the departure of, Koulibaly, which definitely impacts this defense. So now we'll see a lot more of probably Trevo Kalaba, Levi Colwell, Wesley Fofana. We'll probably see all of them 
a little bit throughout the year. And, yeah, um, you know, we'll still have sure. Chilwell and Reese James uh, at fullback. But um, in the midfield, a bunch of guys that are here to prove themselves. Like, Mikelo Mudrik knows the situation he's in. This is the time for him to prove himself. And he's – they've almost – the transfers that they have made are setting up Mikelo Mudrik in a good spot for him to be in the lineup often and really show what they spent this money on. Yeah. I, I like it, and I feel like the Chelsea lineup uh, in regards to Mudrick as well also offers it to where if he doesn't play bad, we can still have him come in off the bench and yep. get that playing time but without the pressure. Yeah, and then Enzo Fernandez has a lot to prove just because of the figure. That much money, there's a lot to prove. Yeah, 100%. But I will say in the USA Tour, he looks like Pirlo. Yeah, he looks great. Uh, and yeah, then as well in the midfield, Connor Gallagher. I think he really wants to prove himself this year. It seems like, you know, there were rumors of him leaving, but he didn't really want to leave. He said he wants to stay here and prove to this new management that he is here to stay and that he should be in this squad. And, and I'm excited to see what that entails. And, and you're actually, I love the way that you're, you keep saying like these players want to prove themselves because that's kind of another factor I feel like Chelsea has that not a lot of people realize. And what you just kind of helped me realize is you're right. There are a lot of players for Chelsea right now that not only want to be for, you know, to play for Chelsea, but they also want to like, you know, prove themselves as a starting 11 player specifically for Chelsea, which is, yeah. you know, what more could you want? Yeah, and then Raheem Sterling has <laughs> something to prove because he was not very good last year, and if he doesn't want to get shipped off at the winter transfer window or, honestly, in this next week, <laughs> he's going to have to yeah. show it off, and, and he's really going to have to play whatever role they give him. I don't think yeah. at this point in his career, I don't think he has the ability to just be like, I have to start on the left wing every single game, and I have earned that he hasn't yeah he, he hasn't yeah. not not with Chelsea for sure and then you have really the agree. new additions to the attacking side with Christopher is it in cuckoo in cuckoo yeah in cuckoo okay and, and Nicholas Jackson who I'm so high on Dude, um, um so I have a question for you about Nicholas Jackson and it's yeah. something that I realized today and I, I remember when we signed Nicholas Jackson originally, I, I wasn't too happy about it because I wanted, you know, the big name Chelsea, like big money transfer striker, Victor Ozzyman, or like, you know, even Volovich, I thought would have been better. Which still might be on the books. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. it still that. could be on the books. But just watching, you know, Nicholas Jackson play a, really a lot of minutes in the uh, USA tour, Nicholas Jackson is Victor Ozzyman. Yeah, they're very maybe similar. not as good, but yeah, they're both lengthy, pacey, but strong strikers. Like Nicholas Jackson plays super hard when it comes to like you know body to body kind of stuff. Which so does Victor Ozzyman. They may not be the biggest guys, but they play big. I really like that, and that's how you succeed in the Premier League. So I I couldn't be happier with Nick, Nicholas Jackson. He's a lot cheaper than Ozzyman was, and I feel like he has a lot less pressure. Um, than Ozzyman would have if it was, you know, him instead of Nicholas Jackson. So a much bigger fan of Nicholas Jackson than Ozzyman at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I love it. Uh, but just to kind of go to the other teams we, uh, you know, I talked about in my top four, with Man United, I think it's just they've made good moves. They've gotten rid of the right people, I think. Yeah. Um, um, and if they do 
complete the transfer of Rasmus Holland or Hodgland or whatever the fuck it is. Um, <laughs> I think the fact that he'll be in a situation where he could genuinely just start every game at striker is going to build him up so much. I like that. And for me, it's it's a little bit simpler when it comes for uh, uh, to me with the United coming in second place. Casemiro hasn't had a full season yet, and Rashford being a superstar hasn't been like a full season yet. Yep. So um, I, I feel like just those two factors alone make them at least a top four team. But I feel like with everything else they've done, they'll be second place. Yeah, and you have a new face in the goal with Andre Onana. Like, yes, th- there's some some guys there that I'm excited to watch. Same for Man City. I think the changes to Man City squad are kind of kind of big. When it comes to like, yeah, of course, adding Erling Holland last season was uh, an insane change for their squad, but like the departures are a big part, you know, kind of across the Premier League, the departures, especially to like the Saudi League have been very big, but Man City is still going to have Ederson in goal. You're still going to have kind of the core of your defense with Kyle Walker, Ruben Diaz, Nathan Ake, and Imerick Laporte. And Manuel Akanji. They're all still there. Yao Cancelo probably on the way out, but I like them in a three back formation. So that works for me. Obviously, John Stone's kind of moving into defensive midfield. We'll probably see that a lot more in Premier League play throughout this season because they only started that late in the year, mainly in competition, like European and FA Cup competition. And then the midfield, Calvin Phillips still got to prove that price. Um, Say, and Jack Grealish has started to, but still got something to prove. But you still have Rodri. You still have Kevin De Bruyne, the greatest midfielder in the world. Phil Foden has some things to prove because he has not seen the field a lot. Um, but Bernardo Silva's still there, likely on his way out. Mateo Kovacic, the new addition in this midfield, has a lot to prove as well because they spent a decent amount of money on him to get him there, especially at this point um, in his career. Yeah, um, Manchester City, I, I don't really have like much on them other than the fact that I think tactically they're obviously still going to be incredibly sound. Um, they still have Erling Holland, and majority, I would say, of the players that mattered are still there. Yeah. Um, and like you said, they've added that kind of depth to fill in what they don't have anymore. Or they had the depth already, and they're just kind of going to move them up like one, like you said with Tyler Adams. Like He'll probably get more playing time even though he was already there. So, um, yeah, I like that take. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then we had we differed between Arsenal and Liverpool. Yes. So what do, you, what do you think about Arsenal? For Arsenal, I look, the moves they made are fantastic. And, and I maybe I'm just kind of blinded by the fact that, you know, they've been valued as the high, like the highest valued team in the world over Man City and PSG. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, blurring my vision. But from what I saw last year, what I saw from the leadership of Mikel Arteta manager, what I've seen from a very, very quickly growing Bakayo Saka, Martin Odegaard is still fantastic. William Salibaugh has almost cemented himself already in, in, in England as a fantastic center back. Aaron Ramsdale looked so good last year. There is so many pieces of this team that stayed the same. And they're guys that are going to continue to get better. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, but 
I don't know if it's all going to click for them like everybody thinks it will. Because um, to me, Arsenal are kind of like the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you think they're good, but they'll they'll never actually win a trophy. Um, I think last season it was it was almost too good to be true. If last season maybe they finished like they ended up being like third, right? No, they were second. They were second. Okay, if they were. If they weren't as consistent in first and second place, I honestly think I would have had them higher for this season. I just, I really do think it's too good to be true for them. I don't think Kai Havertz is going to, I think Kai Havertz is done, basically. Um, I don't. I think this is the primed for resurgence. You know, I, I heard someone say that they should try him out on the wing. Yeah. I was just kind of like, you know, that's exactly the reason why he won't work is because he has like, I don't feel like he really has a place there with Odegaard kind of being already your cam and then adding like Declan Rice as well, who, you know, won't play cam, but that's still another center mid spot that's filled. Um, you obviously know that he can't play center forward or striker because that's what they did with him at Chelsea. So I just don't think it's going to work out for Arsenal like people think it will. But for Liverpool finally start clicking you know Harvey Elliott can only get better they still have Tiago they added McAllister and uh, uh he's still on the roster right now I thought he was going to um what is it El Atifak with uh Steven Gerrard maybe that's just Henderson let me see um yeah, I'm not seeing anything that's saying that he's okay leaving yet um but so, yep, Tiago and, um, like I said, McAllister and Sobelsly. Um, and, but the attack, though, the attack, I think, is where it's going to be dangerous. Not only do you have Jolta still there as a kind of like a depth guy, Cody Gakpo will finally have a full season in the red. Mohamed Salah is still there. Luis Diaz is still there. And Darwin Nunez is another player that will finally have like a full season there. And really, it's the attack for Liverpool that gets me. I seriously think that Mohamed Salah, Cody Gakpo, and Nunez, as they get more acquainted, that'll be top four alone. Okay. Yeah. And especially I, I like if Van Dyke can stay healthy. Yeah, I think they made I, I think they're they could have made more additions to this squad. I, I don't I don't know. I, I feel like there's not enough in the midfield in my eyes. Like you really just have Tiago and Alexis McAllister, they've really cemented themselves because you sent out Fabio Carvalho on loan. He's still a young guy. Curtis Jones, still young. Harvey Elliott, still young. There's still a lot to work on for those two. So you have two very good midfielders. And, oh, oh, I guess I forgot about Sabaslai. But like I, I, I feel like the, the elite teams in the Premier League that we've seen year over year have a ton of experience depth in the midfield. That is a good point, especially with, you know, City. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the, the defense is still there. You know, Trent's young. He can only get better. Uh, Andrew Robertson, he's kind of young. And then Van Dyke and Gomez or Konyate, if you'd rather go with him. I mean, defense is still solid. But I, I agree with you. Liverpool definitely lack in that midfield area. But I feel like the defense and especially the attack getting more acquainted will be just enough. Okay. Well, let's talk Europa League. Um, I think it's going to be okay. I'm kind of weird with Villa and Liverpool here, but I think Newcastle is for sure Europa League team. Um, 
I, I don't think they make top four again, only because they'll they'll have the European competition floating in their mind every week. Yeah. Um, Newcastle also made my Europa League list. Um, for me, it's to echo what you said, but it's also I would have liked to have seen them done more than just Tonale with you know their high place finish being fourth place and them being bought. Yeah. I feel like they could have done more, um, at least like two or three. Actually, honestly, just even one more kind of bigger name player coming to Newcastle, I think, would have done it for me. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Um, I think what it comes down to is they're happy with the goalkeepers they have. <clears throat> Nick Pope, Loris Kairos, and Dubrovka. Like, having all those options in, in goal is great. The defense, That's a good goalie room. Yeah, the defense they absolutely loved with Trippier, Botman, Shar. Uh, and burn, and then you still have depth there with Manquillo, um, Paul Dumet. Like they have some good options there in the defense behind their starters. The midfield is great: Almiron, Gimaraes, Joe Willock. Uh, it's Tanali, of course, is the addition. They also add Harvey Barnes as well. I like their options there in the midfield, and then for the attacking front, Joe Ellington has been pretty good, not great. Callum Wilson has his moments. Alexander Izak has his moments. Um, and Anthony Gordon is a great young player. So I, I don't think they had to make additions. I think they just need to take their time. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's a good point. It's a good point. But like is, especially being a Premier League team uh, and one of the better ones at that, is there really time? I don't know. I, I think this season is where... Okay, we saw the the best it's been last year. Now is the transition into expectations. There wasn't expectations on them at least that high last year. Now there's expectations placed on them. Now they play in the Champions League. Now they're, you know, having to spend money in the transfer market because they've been bought. They need at least a season to figure some things out to finalize some ideas, cement guys in their positions, it, it let them earn that spot, and then they can move forward into trying to be an elite team, being a big team in the transfer market, things like that. I think this year, as the first year with this you know newfound money, they made good moves, not a lot of them, but good moves. And what they already have, they want to see how it turns out with this weight of being a top-four team last year. Okay, yeah, that's that's definitely very fair. Um, my uh, my second Europa League team was Arsenal. Um, I, I don't think they'll slip, you know, too far. Yeah. I, I like I said, they they're like the Dallas Cowboys. They're they're still going to be good. I just don't know, you know, how good that they'll be. Um, yeah, I could definitely see Arsenal at least getting a Europa League spot. Yeah, and with my second Europa League spot being Villa or Liverpool, I think Liverpool for sure. Is like the the like could be a lock. I just I like the idea of Aston Villa possibly being pretty good. Yeah, which is which is why I had Aston Villa as my Europa League conference team. And I actually saw this hot take that I kind of uh, that I kind of agree with. I think Aston Villa could actually win the conference league. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which I think would qualify them for Europa League. It would. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely would. That that's going to be interesting. Um, I, I think Brighton has a chance as well to rival Aston Villa for that Conference League spot. 
but yep, I, they they had the the problem is departures for or for Brighton. And I'm gonna put um fucking Tottenham in the same boat as them. I, I think Brighton and Tottenham are are like neck and neck when it comes to situation because it's two teams that really you know needed to be buyers to use baseball terms uh and you know not sell players like harry kane and try to you know do more to keep players like harry kane but um yeah i think brighton and tottenham should have done more to bring in talent using the money yeah brighton it's just kind of they're in a tough position because they're like they're all their players are like just now hitting the scene yes and that's just making this like People want to mm-hmm. want to go after him. Moises Caicedo. Um, I'm totally blanking right now. The Japanese Matimio or Mat- uh, Matoma, I believe. Matoma, yeah. yes. Uh, Kaoru Matoma. People are going after. already left. Alexis McAllister's um, already out. Like, there's a bunch of guys on this team that people are going to try and buy, and yes. that's gonna that's what's going to hurt them. And the guys that have already been bought, Robert Sanchez, of course, getting interest as well. So. I don't know. They're in a tough spot to grow here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah. For Tottenham, though, like if Harry Kane leaves, they're done. Yeah, they're they're absolutely. <laughs> you just I lost thirty goals. Harry Kane has proven to be good without Son. I don't know how Son would do without Harry Kane. I I I'm in the same boat. Yeah, because I mean, even last season for Son with Harry Kane. Son kind of struggled um, compared to what we're normally, you know, used to seeing from him. So, yeah, it would be a tough transition there, I, I think, for everybody if Harry Kane was to leave, obviously. <laughs> Agreed. Um, yeah. All right. Just because, you know, we're not trying to fill out an entire 20 teams. Who's getting relegated? We don't care about the, the bottom half above the relegation zone. You want to go like one after another or you want me to just give you my three? I'll lay them out. Uh, Luton Town, sorry guys. Yep. Uh, Nottingham Forest and Everton, definitely not sorry about Everton. I'm kind of uh, tired of you guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, my three: Crystal Palace, Luton Town, and Sheffield United. Oh wow! So we only had one common. Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't know. It, it's always such a toss up on who's going to get relegated because like somebody is going to be worse than the rest. Yes, <laughs> of course. But like yep. you do have situations like last year where it was like there were multiple teams <clears throat> like fending off relegation at the end. I, I'm just telling you, man, if it comes to like, you know, um, when would the Premier League end? Is it like mid-March, late March? I thought it was in like May or June. Okay. Well, well I guess that's probably because of the World Cup break. Yeah. Well, I'll just go ahead and say this. With with the whole, like, you know, last match day kind of thing in the Premier League and trying to see if teams, you know, are going to get relegated or not, if Luton Town has some fucking story where, like, they're 17th and they get 16th place at a home game on the last game of the year, what a story. Oh, what yeah. a story. That's what I'm kind of hoping happens, honestly. Yeah, so I'm looking at the schedule right now. The final match day will be May 19th. Okay, and who does Luton Town play? Luton Town will be facing Fulham. Oh man, imagine if it was like Manchester United, like a huge team. Yeah, <laughs> and like some of the teams that could be in the relegation zone are actually going to be facing decent teams. Uh, Everton oh, wow. will be facing Arsenal. 
Um, Burnley versus Nottingham Forest will just be like a, how about we both draw so we don't go down? Um, <laughs> oh, man. Bournemouth will be facing Chelsea. Wolves will be facing Liverpool. Sheffield will be facing Spurs. So, yeah, that's some good games. Yeah. Crystal Palace will be facing Aston Villa. Ooh. I like it, though. So you had Luton Town, Sheffield United, or Sheffield Wednesday, sorry. and No, this is Sheffield United. Oh, okay, yeah, never mind. Sheffield Wednesday teams. is the their logo. Is, is it? Am yeah. I thinking of something else? What's the one that's like a like a buffalo or something, or like a ram? What is that one? Ooh, um, They've been up recently, I think. Is that Darby County? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, that one is the, yep. Yeah, it is. Yep. All right. I don't care about fucking nice. championship teams. And neither do I. <laughs> but, oh, man. yeah, I think there's a lot of teams that could be relegated. Yes. I think this year is very, like, it, it's. I think it's going to be similar to last year. There's going to be a big divide from 10 to 11. Yep. <laughs> I think there's a clear top 10 and there is a clear bottom 10. I like that. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, fuck off. Uh, we don't need the table. So fuck the table. It's fuck time table. for players of the season. We're only talking. Hey. Player early of the Holland, season. Early Holland. Early Holland. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's easily like, if we're talking betting lines, he's like plus a thousand. <laughs> like so easily the favorite here. Um, and his teammate Kevin De Bruyne is probably pretty close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then from there, I think Rashford certainly has a bid. Give me, um, give me Gimarish. Fuck yeah, dude! I like that. Yeah, um, I could even see like uh, potentially. Um, oh my god, blanking, completely fried right now. Give me some hints. Um, um, <laughs> what team does he play for? <laughs> Yeah, I'll, okay, I'll, say, I'll just say another one because I lost that one. Muhammad Salah. I could see him having like a bounce back year. Even. Okay. I don't know. I think his time's kind of coming to an end, personally. Really? Yeah, I think he's just kind of going to – he's going to slowly decline. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, I think he'll be consistent for his entire career. Yeah, I can see sense. that. But, like, it's not going to be that world-class level that we saw a couple years. Yeah, probably not. But I, I still think he's got at least three more years left of being great. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I think other guys, <laughs> Harry Kane, if he stays, obviously he's always going to be around there. Um, Just because I want to spite you, Kai Havertz, I think he's really going <laughs> to have a good season for Arsenal. Okay. So I just wanted to put him there. At player of the season? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, um, if, I, if I'm right. You're going to really hate it. <laughs> if you're right, that's going to be fucking ridiculous. I'll, I'll kiss your shoe. <laughs> Damn. You might, right. you might really be him if you predict that. If I do, that's that'd where I be draw insane. The line. All right, young player of the season. I think this will be a year where we don't have a, a, a player of the season winning young player of the season like Erling Holland. Yeah. Um, um, give me all of Chelsea youth. players. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I think um, what what actually classifies young player of the season? Like, who, okay, I think it's got to be like twenty two or twenty three and under. 
23. Because because Erling Holland won it last year and he's 23. Okay. Um just a couple Chelsea players, rapid fire, Nicholas Jackson, Levi Cowell. Yeah. They both have I don't think it'll be Mikel Mudrick. I I see too much 50-50 of Mikel Mudrick in preseason. I mean, damn that dude can dribble and he is fast, but when it comes to passing, it it can get absolutely brutal and like just decision making. So I don't yeah. think it'll be him. But um definitely shouldn't give up on Mudrick though. I'm throwing Mudrick on there just cuz I'm excited. He's an exciting player to watch. He's, yeah, he really is. And like if he can, you know, toss up a couple goals, throw on a couple assists like he could certainly be up there. I like it. Uh, I think Alejandro Garnacho has a chance. I Ooh, think he's yeah, gonna. I think he's gonna quickly take Anthony's spot. Yeah, Anthony just doesn't come off as like honestly good enough. Yeah, like of course he has the skills. He has that like Brazilian flair. Um, it just doesn't seem like he has a goal scoring ability, and not the most consistent with his crosses into the box. Yeah. Um give me Anthony Gordon. Yeah. That's a yep. good one. Uh like if, if, if this transfer happens, Rasmus Hodgland. Yes. It's a I, good shout as Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't think I don't think I have any other young player of the season, guys. I can't think of uh It's so hard to figure out. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. No, I guess I don't have any more as well. We All can right. move on. Golden boot, Erling Holland. Yep. Or Harry Kane <laughs> I mean, if he stays. <laughs> do, do you think, do you have like, I mean, we, we can obviously just say Erling Holland and Harry Kane, but do you have any like, I don't know, like hot take golden boots? Like any Marcus other guys? Rashford. Yeah. Okay. Marcus Rashford. Um... <sighs> oh, Alexander Isaac or Isak. He's just, he's a good target man in the box. Okay. Um, Darwin Nunes. Okay. No, wait. Hang on. Who no. plays striker at Liverpool? I think Which Darwin one... does play striker. So was it Gagpo and Nunez that switched? Maybe. It's season last season? Yeah, well, because like both of them could play left wing and striker. So. Okay, yeah, just... I'm going to put Gagpo. Gagpo instead of Nunez okay. on uh, Golden Boot. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm trying to think. Any other hot take ones I'd have? Maybe Salah. Yeah. Maybe Salah. Gabriel Jesus is out t- to start the season, so I don't think he could be up there. No. Hmm. Trying to think of any others. Um, Nobody from Chelsea. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think so either. I think if Chelsea end up being top three, it'll be like a complete contribution. Like everybody will yeah. kind of have scored goals. Yep. Um. Trying to think of anybody else, like. I think we kind of hit yeah, everybody that's right like there. the big goal scorers. Charlison. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. If Richarlison gets it, then Ivan Tony's going to be right behind him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. Man. Golden Glove nominees. I, yeah, let me let me just start. Hot take Nick Pope. I love Nick Pope. Yep. I he's the top of my list. Yeah. <laughs> My only issue is if they rotate him too much. Yeah, because they do have two other very good ones. Yeah. My thing is that I think Nick Pope's going to be like, he's going to play all the Prem games. And then Dubrovka and um, 
and Kairos will just deal with like Champions League and FA Cup, Carabao Cup. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Um, uh Ederson. Yeah, Onana. I, I don't know about Onana just because I've seen how how much he likes to sweep. Yeah, he's an aggressive goalie. Yeah, he's fun to watch. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's like the um he's like the uh, Ga- Ghanaian? How would you Is he from Ghana? Ghanaian? Ghanaian? Is he from Ghana? Is he even that? from Ghana? I don't know. Hang on. <laughs> but it is Ghanaian <laughs> if he is. Oh, Cameroonian. Okay, so yeah, that's just how you say it. <laughs> yeah, so I guess he'd be Cameroonian. I I think he could be a shout, but yeah, he's like uh he's like the uh, African Neuer. Yeah. Yep. the way he plays. Uh, I think Emiliano Martinez. Ooh, we'll see. Yeah, Emiliano Martinez. I, I would even throw Keppa in there because, like, you know, Golden Glove is also what your defense can do, too. I think yeah. Chelsea are going to have a solid defense. So I think Keppa could make this list. Yeah, I think, um, I think Robert Sanchez has a chance if he stays at Brighton just because they have a good defense as well. Yep. But I like that, too. Otherwise... I don't think there's really anybody else. Like maybe Allison, but you think Ramsdale could be a shout? Maybe. I I don't know with Ramsdale. Cuz like Arsenal was very good at like winning games but like giving up one goal. Yeah. Yeah. I I for some reason I don't want to say Ederson. Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't, I can't really put a finger on it. He's good, but I just don't know if he'll I don't know. The way I see it is like he's good. Their defense is good. Like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. I see that. But I think that's going to do it for the Premier League season. Any, anything that you just want to like make a prediction for? Like something that's just going to happen this season? Ooh. Um, I think it's time for Tottenham to have like a, like a 13th, even 14th place season. Yeah, I need Tottenham fans scared that they're going to get relegated. <laughs> Bro, that would be like, I, I just would go on social media all the time. Yeah, like I want it, like, like come like Christmas. Like I need Tottenham fans being like, okay, we got to win these games. Like we're only six points out. <laughs> yeah. I need to hear that. Yeah. Yep. I don't want them to go down because I need them there to be the punching bag for the top teams. Exactly. Yep. I, I, I'm right in the same boat with you, but it would be fun if they got very scared. Yeah, and you know what? We'll just leave it at that because this transitions into the transfer news with Tottenham. Harry Kane has the option to just buy out the rest of his contract to help make this move to Bayern happen. <laughs> so there's your 14th place right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would only cost him 21 mil. <laughs> and that's, I mean, he just went on hot ones. He probably got 15 mil off that video alone. <laughs> He's good. He's yeah, good. dude. He's about to start selling fucking Instagram ads to fund this. Yeah. And by the way, I did watch that episode after you told me about it. And awesome. you're exactly right. He still cannot talk, but what an episode. Yeah. He's so he, entertaining. He's choking on his tongue at all times. <laughs> he's a he's a great guy. I just you know taught them. Yeah. Also, <laughs> very cool that he played on the same like youth team as uh, David Beckham. Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah. Until that video, so Pretty that was awesome. sick. Um, but yeah, this uh, I feel like this move has to happen now. Yeah, I, I just really want it to. I think he's the kind of he's the perfect fit for Bayern. Um, and you know, Bayern just got rid of uh, Lewandowski not last season, but the season before, 
and they still were able to win the Bundesliga, proving that they don't need a striker. Now they're going to add the guy that was literally in the same discussion with Lewandowski the entire time. So yeah, it's just um, a good move for Bayern, and I think a really good move for Harry Kane, especially if he wants to win a Ballon d'Or. Because he can yeah. win a UCL. Yep. So, yeah, I like this move a lot. Yeah, I think he would just fit in so well at Bayern. Because, like, it, yeah. it, it, I don't... I don't really think they have a striker. Yeah. Like they've Super been. They, is yeah. kind of like your, your like a uh, false nine kind of guy almost. Yeah. Like they'll throw, they'll throw him at striker pretty often, but like, yeah, Thomas Muller will play false nine. Kingsley Komen needs to stay on the wing. Same for Serge Nabry and Leroy Sané. So yeah. I, I think that they need a real striker and that's what you get with Harry Kane. Of course. Because you yep. have tons of playmakers. Like, yes. So much playmaking ability with Thomas Muller, of course, Musiala, Leon Goretzka. Like, you have the playmaking ability. It's just, you know, what else? You know, is there somebody to hit? Exactly. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. Um, but let's get to this next one. Atletico Madrid's Marcos Llorente is getting close to a move to Al Ali. He's a guy that I don't I didn't really have on my radar going to the Saudi league but a very good player. Yeah, 28 years old, a player that um came from Real Madrid and I think was maybe even linked to go back is about to just, you know, sell out. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, Marcus Llorente is one of those midfielders that you just would love to have. Uh very underrated pace in, in center mid. Usually you don't see that from, you know, or like a desirable trait for your center midfielders, but he is rapid fast, good at 50-50 balls. Um, he would have been like an AC Milan type player, I yep. think. But um, here he goes, just, you know, a 28-year-old selling his career away. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this next move, very interesting move. Um, I don't really understand it, but Real Sociedad have signed Leipzig striker, sorry, Leipzig striker Andre Silva to a season long loan. Interesting. Yeah. Like that's not the kind of place where I'd see Andre Silva going even on loan. Yeah. But I mean, La Liga might be a decent fit for him. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, for uh, he's Portuguese, right? Yes. Yeah, like playing in Spain is kind of what a lot of the Portuguese players want to do anyway. So yeah. if this was just his one venue to do that, I don't blame him for doing it. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, in 20, uh, 20 2021, so the COVID year, he um actually finished with uh, 32 appearances and 28 goals for uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. So yeah. still a player with, I think, some potential here uh, to have like a couple more good uh, years. And maybe it can happen at Real Sociedad. I don't really know. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, and then Chelsea and Juventus have been in talks uh, of a deal that would send Dusan Vlahovic to Chelsea. In return, Juventus would get Romelu Lukaku and 40 million euros. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot because um, I'm not a big fan of Lukaku at all. <laughs> no, not at this point either. Um, and it's kind of weird because, as as we've just both said, we both like what Nicholas Jackson has been able to do at Chelsea, and I feel like Volovich might almost, you know, either replace him or definitely add competition. And it puts me in a weird spot because I don't really know if I want to see that happen. But at the same time, I feel like it's 
also kind of a safe deal to give Nicholas Jackson some competition because I don't really know of any other strikers that Chelsea really have besides yeah. him. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think the competition would just breed a, a much more competitive environment in that strike uh, between the two of them, and, you know, the cream will rise to the top. Yeah, and uh, I actually have some more news uh, regarding Lukaku. I think he's agreed to that Juventus contract verbally. So it's okay. just whether or not you know the two teams can figure out what they want to do in regards to um, Velovic or the fee. Yeah. So, uh, yep. Next thing, Rasmus Hodgland uh, likely to be confirmed at Man United in the coming days. Uh, it looks like a fee has been agreed upon and that I think I saw that he's in Manchester doing his physical. Or his, his it's medical. big. It's yeah, big. Huge. I love uh, the Rasmus uh, Oslin. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Ugandagen. That's yeah. what I should call him. Sure. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> you're supposed to laugh at that. It makes me look a little bit less bad. No, um, no, I want you to have to take in that one. <laughs> Think about what you just did. <laughs> um, But yeah, I like this move. Uh, Holland 2.0 going to the other team in Manchester. I, I think it's kind of funny. It's it's sort of uh it's almost petty in a way. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kinda like it as well. Um PSG nearing an eighty million dollar euro or pff, I do this every time. Nearing <laughs> an eighty million euro move for Benfica striker Gonzalo Ramos. Just give it up for Luke for calling this like after the World <laughs> Cup. I just thought he would be a good player to go there. I mean, they and this was even before it looked like PSG was looking to sell their entire team. Um, it seems like and trying to get uh, Bernardo Silva. Right? Is he the one that wants to move to PSG? Uh, no, not anymore. We'll talk about that. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so yeah, PSG. Um, they're they're in trouble because uh, I think you and I have said before, like their off season has been probably the worst out of all the big teams in Europe. Cause you yeah. have Juventus wanting to get Lukaku and you know, all the other stuff, but PSG just have either been in some type of controversy regarding Mbappe or not signing anybody or losing other players. Yeah. You know, so, Neymar's there, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. You still got Neymar. Um, I saw some rumors of Mbappe, Saying that he'd go on a season-long loan to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, um, that's interesting. And now I'm seeing that Luis Enrique is already considering his future at PSG because of the Mbappe situation. Jesus. So yeah, just, PSG just not is falling team. apart. Yeah, um, and in a way, I'm I'm like you said, I'm glad to see PSG falling apart. I think you mentioned that like last episode or two episodes ago. Yeah. But the thing is, is there are still a lot of likable faces over there, like Luis Enrique and like Neymar that I still like. Um, and I like a lot. Uh, and I hate that they're like the innocent players that I have grown up liking are kind of caught in the crossfire here because it's just like. It sounds like the worst environment to be a part of um, in really all of soccer right now. Yeah, it's it's brutal. Um, but let's move on. Jordi Alba is officially with Inter-Miami. Yes, I saw him on the pitch last night. Yep. It's big, dude. Dude, Messi. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I really didn't think the MLS was going to look that easy for oh him. And I, I know it. I know that that sounds crazy, but, like, it, he just – he doesn't even move, man. He just like walks around yeah. and destroys everybody. <laughs> what kind of sucks is like the MLS was getting like the attention it kind of, like the amount of attention that it probably deserved. Not very much nationally. 
Yeah. Now nobody is getting attention but Lionel Messi and Inter Miami. Yeah. Which kind of sucks. And those pink fucking jerseys. They're man. sick as fuck. I love They're them. They're sick. I love they them. They are cool. But yeah, Messi is just having a field day. So I have this question to you, Grayson, and I know you're not a big MLS guy, but I remember when this happened. And this is actually a question that my dad posed to me. So shout out Mr. Morozik. Um, shout out. For this question. He said, Luke, or hey, son, whatever he said. <laughs> who had a more impressive debut, Messi or Zlatan? Ooh. And I was, at first I was like, well, it has to be Messi, right? But then I started uh, thinking, Zlatan's goals and the comeback in the yeah. El Trafico Derby, that was insane. I think it was like a 3 nothing down and he scored a hat trick or something. Yeah, Messi's debut was obviously bigger. Like, you know, hearing the PA, like, and now the greatest soccer player, you know, like yeah. announcing him over the crowd noise, like it was a lot bigger. But Zlatan's debut was a hell of a lot better. Like, you you can't get better than what yeah. Zlatan did. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I do want to make a comment on um that introduction that they gave Messi. Because they didn't say the greatest player ever. They said the greatest number 10 ever. Oh. Kind of, kind of disrespectful, maybe. Yeah, I feel like you could just go ahead and say he's the greatest player ever. Yeah, like, probably could. Yeah, he's probably the best number ten. His competition, Wayne Rooney, um, Maradona. Yeah, Hagi, Michael Laudrup, Eusebio, Baggio, Cruyff is definitely up there. Obviously, Maradona, yep. like you said, Michelle. You heard Pele, right? Yeah, yeah, I heard Pele. Well, no, no. Paley didn't wear ten, did he? I thought, I'm pretty sure he did. Oh no, he, yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah. So yeah, it's really just Pele, Maradona, and Messi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm still giving it to Messi. I yeah, I will too. I will. Yeah. I don't want to exclude Puskas and Cruyff from the conversation. But no. It's really let's be real three. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to this. Uh, West Ham have backed out of their interest in James Ward-Prowse due to Southampton's very high valuation of him. Huh. Bro, all he does is kick free, like make free kicks. That's <laughs> literally just about to say, yeah, that's um, he can do nothing else. <laughs> that's his only, the only reason he is still on that team. Yep. Like he'll score See, a free kick two, three times a year, and that just yeah. does it for him. That just breaks the internet. Give us and... fifty million for him. <laughs> He's David Beckham reincarnated as a center mid. Yeah, except he has zero playmaking ability outside of a fucking stoppage. Yeah. <laughs> uh next one though, Chelsea have completed the transfer of Leg Ugh, Leslie Ugachukwo. Ugachukwu. I don't know. From Stod Runs for twenty three and a half million pounds. Yes, I'm I'm Honestly, you know, at the start, I mentioned this before, I wanted Chelsea to go big, you know, sign the big guys, but it, we've kind of done the opposite, and I'm a fan of it. And this guy just kind of continues that. So I, I have really enjoyed this offseason. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a, a solid offseason for Chelsea, and this is a great addition. But yeah. let's talk and about... Uh, teenager. Yeah, yeah, very young player. 10 years old. Yep. Let's talk about Bernardo Silva. Uh-oh. He rejected his move to PSG. So initially it was like he wants to go there. Now he doesn't. 
And now he wants to go play in Spain. Hmm. And it looks like Barcelona's interested. Odd uh, Gundawan and Bernardo yep. Silva. They're just trying to rob they're just trying to recreate Man City. Yeah, or recreate the, you know, 2009-2010 era team where it just was yeah. the ball just slid across the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, yeah. If they get him, I'm probably I'll probably be mad. <laughs> Bro, I I mean the El Clasico is going to be sick. Oh yeah. Even though there's no Ronaldo and Messi or Benzema or anything like that. Yes. It's still going to be pretty sick. And now you have like, you know, the Valverdes and the Vinnies and the yeah. Pedris and stuff. It's the new era. Yeah, new era. I love it. Um, let's go to this next one. If Chelsea cannot get Moises Caicedo from Brighton, they may make a move for Leeds' Tyler Adams or Ajax's Edson Alvarez. When I read this, dog, if we can get Edson Alvarez from Ajax, the Mexican, I will lose my shit. Yeah, he is so good. <laughs> I think I think the world of him. Seriously. Yeah, I, I would, I would definitely, uh, you know, if I was a Chelsea fan, I would definitely favor Edson Alvarez over Tyler Adams. As an American, I'd love to see Tyler Adams back in the prem. Yeah, that that definitely would be cool too. But um, Edson Alvarez is my favorite, and I guess we're looking away from the um the uh the guy from uh, Ghana that also plays for Ajax, the Kudus or K- Kudus. Yeah. Guy. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess, he, I guess he is more of like a winger. That's right. Yeah, because I said that last podcast. You're right. He is more of that kind of attacking midfielder. Yeah, but nonetheless, I, I think Edson Alvarez, if you can get him, would be such a good move. Yep, I do too. And uh, let's talk about this, Usman Dembele. Very weird, weird, weird situation. Never really played a lot at Barcelona, mainly because of injury. They spent quite a lot of money on him to bring him from Dortmund, and now he's on his way to PSG, and apparently he wanted out of Barcelona. Yeah, that That's interesting. Yeah. Still 26 years old, too. It feels like he's been around for a while. I know. But just um what i remember about usman Dembele is he moved to dortmund from i guess one of the french teams yeah from renez and at dortmund i remember him being like very very impressive i'm looking at it here 32 appearances and six goals but i just remember him like looking like an impressive you know winger he could dribble past people just good passer and then at barcelona 127 appearances only 24 goals and i i just remember him being like a complete meme the entire yeah. time he's been at Barcelona. Yeah. Whether it was injury or just poor performance. Yeah, it's it's so weird the way his career has gone. Yeah. And now he wants to move to PSG, which is like another big team that I don't really know why they would want him, other than the fact that he's, you know, still twenty six years old. Um I think he's kind of finished. I would have liked to have seen him go go to like a maybe a mid table prim team. I think would have been good, but not PSG or Saudi Arabia or Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's always a safe option these days. It is. It's a safe option. You get a generational wealth. Yep, you'll be fine. But with his departure, 
Uh, it looks like Barcelona are interested in picking up a couple of pieces. The first one being Bernardo Silva, like we just talked about, but also Yao Cancelo, who just kind of sits in limbo at Man City. Yao Cancelo would be a great pickup for literally anybody. Yeah, good good replacement for Jordi Alba. Of course. But I don't know. I, I think Barcelona find themselves in a good situation, but an interesting one. In what way? Just that, like, that Usman Dembele wanted to leave, goes to PSG. That's a weird one. And, like, obviously, you know, the guys that have left, um, you know, being Alba, just over this last, like, year, Alba, PK, Busquets, gone. Messi's been gone. Neymar's been gone for a while now. And I don't know. It, it feels like they're in, like, a, this, it, this transition phase, but, like, it doesn't seem like they're affected by it. Yeah, that's actually... Yeah, as you kind of started talking, I, I definitely agree with you. Is it's like all the childhood Barcelona legends, like the PKs and the Busquets, like you mentioned, have left now very quickly. It seems like they've all gone. Yeah, but they've replaced them with very good players, and like you said, it's not it's not really coming off as like a big deal to them. No, it seems like the only ones that remain are Marc Andre Ter Stegen and Xavi, who's now the manager. Yep, literally. I think that's it. The players yeah. that I can think of there. Yeah, I feel like everybody else has moved on. Uh, but next guy, Sergio Ramos. I feel like he should have either gone to the MLS or the Saudi League. But it appears he's in negotiations with Galatasaray. I love the move, man. Um, you and I have talked about it before. The Turkish League is just so much fun. And, yeah. and those teams always end up, you know... Well, I wouldn't say always, but like there's been a couple times where Galatasaray or Fenerbahce have kind of made some noise in the Champions League as well. I just love like the fan atmosphere of that league, and man, it's just so entertaining. And yeah. like their games are big, like oh, they're yeah. they're big teams. It's just not like a um a big league, I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not, but like they def- they definitely have like attracted like older players coming there. Uh, recently, like, yeah, like Robin Van Persie. Uh, was with Fenerbahce. Wesley Snyder. Yeah, Wesley Snyder with Galatasaray. Um, Edin Dzeko just moved yep. to Fenerbahce. Um, just Mesut Ozil. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely been a couple players Tons. that have done that. Tons of players have head to the Turkish League. Kind of, <clears throat> honestly, was kind of the Saudi League before the Saudi League. Yeah, Saudi League, but without the money. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's like, actually, it's kind of the opposite of the Saudi League. You're going there for, like, the environment. The, yeah, the competition because it's so competitive. Uh, Charisma, yeah. that's another player. Yeah. He went to uh, Besiktas, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the last one here, Chelsea have agreed to terms on a 25 million euro transfer for Brighton keeper Robert Sanchez. There it is. And uh, right now, I'm just going to scroll through Twitter and see if we missed any. Ah, Arsenal, they want to terminate the contract of Nicolas Pepe. Always smart. Yep. Uh, Man City and Chelsea, both interested in Crystal Palace's Michael Elise. Ooh, the winger. Yeah, okay. and his release clause is only $35 million. So very affordable for both of those teams. <laughs> yeah. Um, Newcastle have agreed to a deal to sign Tino Livramento from Southampton. Okay. Solid move. Um, uh, defender there. Yeah. To go back on this. Mbappe has told Chelsea he's open to joining them, but only on a one-year loan. And 
Fuck Mbappe. <laughs> you wouldn't say uh, that if he said he'd go. No, I wouldn't. I, I just, it feels like he's like almost using us. Like, yeah, I'll only do it, but only if it's for a loan for a year. Yeah, because then, then he's going to join you, Madrid for free. <laughs> he just needs a place to play for a year. Oh, God, man. I would love it if we yeah. somehow locked up Mbappe. Exactly. Bro. Uh, whatever. Um, Chelsea in an interesting financial situation, they've approached investors to raise additional capital following that poor finish last season in their first year under Clear Lake Capital. Huh. Okay. So they're looking for more money, which is interesting. Um, to go back to that Tyler Adams interest for Chelsea, his release clause is only $20 million. Wow. So that's, that's relatively low. I would um, say so. Supposedly... PSG offered Neymar to Barcelona during the discussions for the transfer of Usman Dembele. Wow. They they recommended it as a loan to Barcelona, but rejected it because Xavi doesn't want Neymar. Okay. Huh. How weird is it, that? What, Xavi was teammates with Neymar, right? Correct. Dang, Xavi played a long time. Barcelona. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. Maybe some bad blood of how he left? Could be. Who knows? Um, looks like by the end of the week, Josco Vardial will be confirmed at Manchester City. Uh, final transfer fee, 90 million euros. Like it. That's a lot to live up to. It is. Uh, Barcelona have reached uh, an agreement with Yao Cancelo over personal terms. Now they just have to figure out the fee with Man City. Um, let's see. What else? What else? PSG Dang. are planning to sign Gonzalo Ramos and Dembele by the end of this week. Interesting. Very quick. Yeah. Oh, it's Thursday right now. I'm glad I went through this. Tom Brady is now a minority shareholder in Birmingham, t- Birmingham City. Oh, I saw that this morning. I thought I sent it to you. I sent it to you, actually. <laughs> oh, the, the TikTok? Yeah. Okay. Um, look, he's a winner. Can't I mean, deny it. Yeah. It's kind of cool to see, like, how... It, it's it's just crazy how soccer is, like, really growing popularity over here. Yeah. Like that. I mean, J.J. Watt, Tom Brady, MLS, tour, or the Premier League Tour. It's just so cool to see. Yeah, and also like the faces that we've seen at like the messy games. Oh yeah. Yep. You know, seeing LeBron and Kim Kardashian, like everybody showing up. Yes. I love it. Um, let's see. Anything else? Anything else? Ah, uh first twenty four hours of Lionel Messi inter Miami shirt sales were the best twenty four hours of any player changing teams across sports. What? Yeah, he beat out Ronaldo going to Man U, Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers, and LeBron joining the Lakers. I'm surprised that LeBron joining the Lakers wouldn't have been one. It's like yeah. Lakers jerseys, Lakers are just popular as it is, and then you have LeBron? But I think there's enough LeBron haters. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Everybody can And also, you got to think of it internationally. Like, so many people are buying that Messi jersey. Yeah. Yeah, true. Wonder if when uh, Shohei leaves, how much that'll rival Messi. Oh, 
That yeah, that's an interesting one. Knows. I don't know. The European market is what is so big that drove that for Messi most likely. Oh yeah. And I in baseball just doesn't have the European market. Yeah. All those Euro kids wanted the MLS jersey that no one has. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've seen a, I've seen a, like a couple of Ronaldo uh, Saudi jerseys I've, around. I actually at work the other night. I think you were there. I think I brought it up to you. There was a two kids, one with a, it was it was a messy jersey, but I don't remember if it was PSG or if it was the Inter Miami one, and then a Cristiano Ronaldo jersey from Al Nassar. Yeah, sick. That's um, sick. <laughs> oh, Sadio Mane made his debut for Al Nassar. We did. Oh, I wonder how that went. Oh, by the way, Alnasar's away jersey. It's actually sick. It's a lot yeah, better than cool. their home one. Really cool. Yep. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, oh, Lucas Mora aside for Sao Paulo. Went back to Brazil. Yep. Nice. I think that's really about it. Nothing Ooh, else. we could uh, we could talk about Marcelo and that unfortunate yeah. fucking. Oh my god. And like it just. What made it even worse for me, Grayson, is when you sent it to me, it, that was actually the first time I had seen the highlight. I had heard that it happened like hours earlier, but you actually sent me the highlight. And I didn't realize that it happened when Marcelo was on the ball, Yeah, which makes it so much worse because it's not like, you know, he was trying to play defense and just made like a bad tackle. He like, it was just even more unintentional than if he was, you know, like playing defense is the point I'm trying to make. And I just like, yeah. I hate it obviously more for the player that got hurt, but like you could tell Marcelo, like there's no reason Marcelo should be getting shit on by anybody. Like you could tell. First it of all, was it was entirely an accident, entirely an accident. I mean, I think he was even in tears, like on the pitch. It was like, it was a brutal. Scene, yeah. Like as but... soon as it happened, he immediately stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot about this. Um, congrats. Gianluigi Buffon, at 45 years old, has retired from professional soccer. What a legend. legend. What a, a legend. legend. World Cup. I mean, you name it. Yeah. I think he won a Champions League. Yeah, I think he won a Champions League like in the early 2000s, like yeah. very early in his career, and he never um, ever won it again. Yeah, he went back with Juventus. Yeah, and then Barcelona ended his dreams. Yep. Yep. Um, all right, that's going to do it for the transfer news. It's time for Stake Your Claim. All right. You want it or me? You got it. So I have uh, two. This is Stake My Claims, actually. So okay. we're going to make this one. So mine is in regards to Yankee managers. Grayson. Okay. So <laughs> buckle Aaron, up, everybody. Aaron yeah, buckle up, everybody. Aaron Boone may not be the Yankees manager next season is my first one. And then I'm going to go back in time for this one because I will never forget in my, um, oh my gosh, what was that class called? I, gym class in high school, lifetime sports. That's what it was called. Oh. We were all changing in the locker room and there was a Yankees fan in that class that was older than me. And we'd always talk about the Yankees with each other. This is like 2017, 18 days with uh, Girardi still. His name was Chris. I said, Chris, I really don't know how I feel about firing Joe Girardi. Well, I was right. <laughs> because I think if Girardi never left the Yankees, sometime in the time between last season and 2017, I think the Yankees would have won a World Series. 
Really? Yeah, and I know we made it to the ALC, uh, ALCS twice in that time frame, um, and I think one of them could have been a World Series. All right. Girardi. Interesting. So what do you think? You think Aaron Boone's the manager next year? You think he's in the hot seat at all? Uh, yeah, I think he's on the hot seat for sure. Um, I think he would be like a... Like, if they just really go down the shitter for the rest of the season, yeah, he yeah. gets fired. But nobody really gets fired until late August, mid-September, typically. Yep. So, I don't know. Like, He's got time. Yeah. We'll have to see how his relationship with Brian Cashman continues. Because I think that's yeah. going to be a, a big thing this offseason. Yeah. I, I do too. Because obviously Aaron Boone wants to win baseball games and he wants to win now. And it seems like that's the same approach Brian Cashman has, but I think they have differing ideas on how to do that. Yeah, I do too. Um, and, and it's weird because Cashman has been a guy that I've liked and he's given us some names. You know, he's overseen Garrett Cole coming to the Yankees. He's overseen... Um, a couple of other guys like Glaber and Didi, I feel like are kind of like Cashman's like babies kind of in that area uh, in that era. But it's like, now that we have some of these names, we're not, um, we're not pushing the next step. Uh, Cashman's not taking the next step with the team. And I feel like um, that's where the relationship is starting to get soured. And I I'm, I'm kind of with Boone on this one. Yeah. Boone might be a dumbass, but like Cashman I think might be kind of the real thing that's holding this team back. And I honestly could see them both being gone soon. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just a frustrated Yankees fan, man. That's really <laughs> what it comes down to. <laughs> so you said you have a second one? That that was my oh, two. Okay, is that okay, okay, okay. Boone won't yeah. be the coach next season, and Girardi would have won World Series okay. with the Yankees. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about Girardi. But Girardi... He's just so much more like no bullshit than Boone, I feel like. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Girardi's more tough. Yep. I think, yeah. All right, I'm going to do my last one. Um, yeah, the Angels will get the final wild card spot over the Red Sox and Yankees. Oh, I like it. I, I actually I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said it earlier. I love the moves they made. Right now they're three and a half games out. I think this weekend, big swing series for them against the Mariners. If they take two out of three, they're in a beautiful spot. The Yankees have a tough series this weekend against the Astros. The Red Sox have a tough series this weekend against the Blue Jays. This is the spot for the Angels to just kind of jump quickly. And obviously, if the Blue Jays just kill the Red Sox, it does hurt the Angels because the Blue Jays hold that last spot right now. But, you know, we'll have to see. It's really between the Angels and Blue Jays for that final spot, and it's only a three-and-a-half game difference. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm, it's either way. I mean, either of those two teams are going to be exciting. I, I'm sad that it's at the expense of my Yankees, but I, I just got to be real right now. So Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Ladies and gentlemen. What an episode. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Didn't go two and a half. 
We certainly could if we wanted to. I could. I'm sure we could fill 15 minutes. Yeah, but we could run back our fucking utopia conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before the podcast, me and Luke went through every single track on Utopia and talked about what we liked, um, which was yeah. all of it. But I don't think we'll we won't pain you with that conversation again. Um, yeah, that's gonna do it for us, guys. Thank you for riding with us. And if you really rode with us, you'd be following us on all social media. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, joining the subreddit, second and short, 2ND, A-N-D, short, um, as well, following us on the podcast platforms and leaving us five-star reviews on Apple and Spotify, subscribing on YouTube, liking on YouTube, commenting on YouTube, fucking shoot us a DM on Instagram, whatever, do whatever you feel, send us a DM on Instagram telling us how much you hate this podcast. But whatever you feel that you need to do, just remember that we are your favorite podcast. And everything you love in life, you have to share. So please, share your favorite podcast with everybody. Share it with your dog. We talked about this on the last episode, I think. Put it on. Put it out in front of your dog. Let him listen. Make sure it's on his phone so that you can listen independently on yours. Uh, boost those numbers. But nonetheless, everybody's got to hear this. And uh, if you love it so much, you'd share it. <laughs> I'm going to just demean you guys for listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to share it. I'm kidding. But we do appreciate you guys for coming back, listening week in, week out. And um, we'll catch you all next week. Luke? Peace. Oh, wait. Sorry. What? I was going to say, Luke, are you excited for next week? Start of the Prem, getting closer. We got football tonight. Oh, yeah, the Hall of Fame game. Yeah. That's right. So there's a whole lot to look forward to. And we'll catch you all next week. Peace. Peace.